And now, introducing a real mensch who wants to toss up a Hail Mary and be pimps from Oakland or cowboys from Arizona. Grow up, Peter Pan, Count Chocula. We've done a million shows, and guess what? We've rocked them all. He is Glenn Clark. I was watching it recently, I'm trying to think of. Oh no, no, was I watching that or was I watching? There was something. Oh, I, old school was on recently. That's what I was watching. I um, I've noticed that the Comedy Central these days has just basically become uh, day long reruns of The Office. Basically, which I'm in favor of. Like, I actually find it. I, I'll make a comparison. I think legally there should be a kids channel where an episode of SpongeBob is always playing. Like, no matter what time it is, I can just go to that channel and there's a SpongeBob episode playing and my kids can just, you know, stare at that for a little while and let the TV do the, the parenting for a bit. Um, in the same way, for adults, I feel like there should be a channel where there is always an episode of The Office playing at all times. So I don't have to go through, and it's like, well, you can always pull up Peacock or whatever it's on. I get it, but I just, it's one less step that I have to take, right? right? Like, I can just, and I don't, I don't want to need, Again, it's about turning my brain off. I don't want to have to pick the episode. They can pick it for me. (laughs) They can do it. I'm good. I I don't need to. I'll let them handle it. And so I appreciate that. So on Saturday night, I was looking for, no, maybe it was Friday night, because I had two games to do on Saturday. I had the Loyola game and the Stevenson game. And I was looking for something brainless to put on in the background that wouldn't distract me too much. Something that, like, you know, I'm familiar with. I was like, oh, I'll go put on an episode of The Office, right? Because, like, I've, you know, obviously I've seen them all. I, there's nothing new to watch there. It's just something pleasant, right? right? It's agreeable. It's something I can put on. And I went and I found that instead of playing an episode of The Office, they were running the motion picture blended on Comedy Central. And I said to myself, well, this is a travesty, but then the next thing I wanted to know is, is it because Comedy Central is available in Russia and they want to do their part? They want to help make life miserable for the Russians. That's what I was wondering. And if so, thank you for your service, Comedy Central. I appreciate it. Well done. I can only imagine the amount of torture that it would provide to the folks in Russia right now if you continue to air nothing but blended between now and whenever this effing war ends. Isn't Blended basically the same movie as Just Go With It? Did he make back-to-back of the same movie, but with just different female uh, leads? Paul, this is the part where you're going to lose me. I most certainly have not watched either of these films. There is no chance. <laughs> I have seen I both. Have I will give Adam Sandler a shot every this motion time. Picture. You Except a, for Jack and Jill. You have a problem, sir. <laughs> have you been in abusive relationships? I've been in abusive relationships. I mean, like... I've been I mean, abused, but... I, Paul... Just blink, blink twice. You're okay. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> okay, we'll. Uh, Nothing wrong with little Adam Sandler. No, there's a lot wrong with everything the man has done for about a, other than uncut gems, of course, for about a decade. We're sitting on about a decade, and it's really more than that because Little Nicky was longer than a, a decade ago, and that was horrendous. That Every, movie was pretty bad. Everything since then. It's all bad. <laughs> it's just all bad. Well, didn't he and say that he stopped things. making movies for himself and he started making movies for his kids? I think he should maybe make motion pictures for other people's kids. I think that maybe just because his children enjoy it, that wouldn't even be a good parameter. Make anything that anybody else might enjoy. Live action SpongeBob starring Adam Sandler. I'm for it. For it. <laughs> 
Good morning, Glenn Clark Radio. Hi, it's a Monday edition of the program. Hope you guys uh, were able to get a, 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 a touch and a feel for the CIAA tournament over the course of last week. Really an amazing event for our city. Um, I know there were so many great events that surrounded it, and looking forward to having it back in a brand new, not brand new, but a renovated uh, Royal Farms Arena next year. It was wonderful to have people here, to have there be tourism dollars flowing through the city of Baltimore during a time where typically there is not a lot of tourism dollars flowing through. So, um, you know, just a, just, a, just a great weekend and a great week all around for the city, for the CIAA. That was a wonderful thing. It was a good weekend if you're a Maryland basketball fan. If you, you know, un- unlike other sports, like unlike professional sports, where you get to a certain point in the season and the team's just better off losing. In college sports, there's never a moment because you don't get a draft pick out of it. There's no draft to be had. So it's pleasant to win a game. Let's not oversell it, right? Let's not pretend like suddenly Maryland's a threat to go and do something in the Big Ten tournament, but it was pleasant. It's a pleasant feeling. There was a slightly larger crowd than you would have expected. I got into a, a, um, I ended up going back and forth for a while yesterday with our buddy Jeff Ehrman from InsideMDSports.com. There's nothing, there is literally nothing in sports Twitter that bothers me the way attendance bitching bothers me. And I saw Jeff share a tweet and Jeff, I mean, I'm not, I don't think I've, if you're a Maryland fan, I don't think I'm, I'm hiding a secret or unveiling a secret. Jeff doesn't live here. Jeff actually lives in Ohio and yet um, covers Maryland and covers it as well as anybody else does. Better in a lot of cases and typically has significant breaking news. So Jeff wasn't there. He was sharing someone else's photo and he captioned it with the word weak as if the place should have been sold out because they were celebrating the 20th anniversary yesterday. To which I said back, like, Jeff, the, the 2002 team wasn't playing in the game. It was still going to be the 2022 team playing in the game. They were just going to be there as a gimmick to wave to the crowd. Like, the, I'm going to buy a ticket to watch someone wave to the crowd? No offense. I, I love these guys. We're going to have Lonnie Baxter come on with us in a couple of minutes. I, I'm grateful for what they did 20 years ago, but all they're doing here is waving. <laughs> I ain't paying money to watch somebody wave. It's still the same team playing in the game. Now, as it turns out, unexpectedly, they ended up playing ridiculously well in the, during the course of yesterday's game and knocking down shots, and Fats Russell and Eric Ayala were great. And, you know, as it turns out, if you were going to go to a game this year, yesterday was probably the game to go to. But the idea of complaining or trying to call people out as if they're a bad fan base because they chose to pass on going to see a bad basketball team with no coach and with no players on the roster who are likely to ever be a part of a significant Maryland basketball team. Stop it. Get the F out of here. The tickets ain't free. And the idea that it was supposed to be drastically different because the 20th anniversary team was coming back, well, for what it's worth, they, they definitely had more people at the game yesterday because of that than they otherwise would have. But the idea that suddenly, an appe- have you ever in your life purchased a ticket to a game based on who else was going to be in attendance for the game? No, but there are times where I would have if I didn't have other things going on. Like what? Like the Orioles' 60th anniversary. Although the, that was, the Orioles were really good then. 
That was yeah, 2014. I mean, they, they, I, they were really good, but I would have I, I would have liked to have been there because of what they did after the game. Uh, okay. I mean, that's that's I, that's an interesting it's an interesting comparison, right? Because I guess the question would become if last year's team did the same thing, you would still purchase tickets because of that. Probably, especially because I, I missed the one in twenty four. And I guess this is a little bit more difficult for me too because you you're so inclined to go to baseball games and you're a baseball person in yeah. your heart and this is what you care about. That I don't know if it's a fair comparison because I don't think you're a That's casual a person. That's right? a fair point. I, I it it's not nothing, right? Like it's not nothing. I've never in my life made a decision about whether or not to purchase based on on who was going to be in attendance for the game. It's never something I've done. I've been to games where American presidents were there, but that didn't go because of that. I've, I can't fathom purchasing. Now, some people do, and some people did yesterday, but enough to fill an arena just because somebody was going to walk out and wave? I, I think maybe if it's somebody who hasn't been back, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Um, I got one. Yeah. Uh, I, Ed Reed, he was put into the Ring of Honor in, what, 2015? I think it was. Sounds and, right. And it was a game against the Rams, and Joe Flacco tore his ACL. The only reason I went to that game was because Ed Reed was being inducted into the hey, Ring of Honor okay, at may, halftime. Maybe. May, that might be true, but I, there's no comparison to NFL games. There's only eight home games every year, right? Okay. Like, I mean, it's just... It, those things aren't announced as gimmicks. They're more like... We're doing this. We're doing this. Uh, the tickets are going to be sold no matter what. We're just doing true. this anyway, right? Like, yes, as it turns out that year... It was, was a, a it was a difficult season uh, for anybody to want to come to the Ravens games. But you're making an argument that at least it's a thought for you. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it's a thought for somebody else. It's never been a thought for me as an adult. As a child, perhaps. As an adult, to spend my money on something just because somebody else would be there is not something that I ever think about. But that's fair. If you're saying you've thought about it and other people might have, that's uh, clearly somebody did yesterday. But the idea that it's like embarrassing that the game wasn't sold out. No, the, the Maryland basketball situation is embarrassing. That's the embarrassment. It's remarkable that anybody's going. This is we lose context. We lose the ability to think these things through. There's nothing to see. There's no special player. There's no coach. There's no one to support. The only thing to see yesterday was the guys waving at the crowd. And again, as it turns out, in hindsight, a very solid performance and a and a decent win. Let's not oversell it. Let's not pretend like Ohio State's a national championship contender, but they're a good team. I I can't fathom it. I can't fathom that thought. But it's still pleasant. It's still pleasant if you're going to have a day like that where you have these guys back and there's a little bit more attention being paid to the game than the average game, it's still pleasant for it to go that way. Everybody gets to feel good about it. Does it mean anything today? No, it doesn't. It doesn't suddenly make Danny Manning a candidate to be the next head coach. It doesn't suddenly make Maryland a threat to do something. You acknowledge, and this is the part that that deserves to be said, you do acknowledge... And I've acknowledged it multiple times. This thing could have fallen off the rails. It shouldn't have because the talent on the roster alone is enough that this should never have been a three-win Big Ten team. But the circumstances would certainly have allowed for a lot of groups of guys to simply quit. 
There are plenty of cases throughout the history of sport where when you go through something like this, coach walks away, another coach gets busted, and he's gone, another assistant coach. All of these bizarre scenarios, a group of guys that don't really know each other all that well because they just sort of came together over the course of the last summer. There's absolutely scenarios where that group of players just decides to quit that they're not giving it their best effort they don't care they don't want to try they're more interested in partying they're more interested in whatever it is they're interested in they just frankly quit and this team hasn't done that and there's something to be said for that what it is i don't know how to define it there's an alarm going off in the background it's quite annoying it's it's not defined by that means danny manning should be the next coach at the university of maryland it also doesn't mean that Danny Manning should be dismissed. Of course, you, you let him be a part of the process. And if you've gotten to know Danny Manning and what you've learned about Danny Manning is so overly impressive that you believe he could be the guy, then you measure it. There might be a point at which, hey, we've, we've done all of the math, and these are the guys we've identified as our top candidates, but we can't get those guys. We, we tried. They don't want to leave. I write about this today at PressBoxOnline.com. It'll be coming. It, it might very well be that if you've identified Ed Cooley as your top guy and Ed Cooley turns around and says, I'm really happy at Providence. I don't know if you heard, they just won the Big, uh, Big East regular season title over the weekend. They have insane atmospheres for their games. He's a beloved figure despite the fact that he's won one NCAA tournament game in his entire tenure. If Ed Cooley says, I'm good, I'm just happy to be here, and Andy Enfield is able to successfully use the Maryland opening to get USC to pay him an absurd amount of money to live on the beach in Southern California. And Kevin Willard just never really wanted the job. And all of a sudden, you're looking down your list, and you're like, well, we could go hire the guy from Colorado State. Nothing against Nico Medved, who might very well be the qualified guy. There is a point on the list at which I think Danny Manning comes back into play. And you say, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's relevant that he kept things from falling apart during the course of the season, and they stayed semi-competitive, and they won a game that, that surprised people, and everybody really liked him and thought he was a good leader both on the floor and off the floor. And you start doing all of that math, and you say to yourself, yeah, you know, he deserves to be in the conversation. By the way, we got to know that he wants the job, too, in the same way you got to compare with everybody else. He's not near the top of the list of candidates for me, but he's on the list. He's somewhere in there. And if you don't find your coach from that first group of guys, and not, you know, the throwing the I've always thought that Eric Musselman and Nate Oates were shooting for the stars. It was just too high. It was not legitimate. But sure, throw them on the list too. If you get through those top five guys, and now you're sitting and looking at a list of Mark Pope from BYU and Nico Medved from Colorado State and guys that are, and Mike Bray, for example, not undeserving candidates, but not as slam dunk of candidates as your top guys were. Maybe you do reconsider Danny Manning. Not to say I think that's who should get the job. I want to make that very clear. But at some point, I think he remains on the list and you acknowledge that there, it's, you can't say he's done a, It'd be oh boy, I wanna I wanna be careful how to say this. You'd be hard pressed to say this has been a good job that he's done because they still haven't won a lot of games. Yeah. He's, right. not, he's nine and twelve. But, since he's taken over. But it 
you acknowledge it definitely could have been worse given the circumstances. You acknowledge that it could have been off. Paul, could you do me a favor and just close that door for me? I appreciate it. I, I tried putting up with it for as long as I could, thinking it might just go away, but unfortunately it did not. Or at least close it enough. I don't have to close it the whole way enough that maybe it's not as overwhelming. Of course, this is going to be really awkward when we find out there's an actual fire in the building and, you know, I didn't do anything about it, but typically I start getting messages like that from the building people that, no, no, this one's legitimate. You need to get out normally the way that it works. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Um, so anyway, there's that. There's that. That's, uh, that's And again, as I mentioned, Lonnie Baxter will join us in a few minutes. Dan Bonner was on the call for yesterday's game for CBS. He's going to join us as well. We'll get his thoughts on where the program is as a whole. And that's where our, my conversation with um, Jeff Ehrman kind of led to was the, the, the state of the program itself. Where he's like, this is a basketball school. Your championship team's coming back and, and you can't pack the place. I'm like, what, in what world is it a basketball school? How many basketball schools haven't been within a game of a Final Four in 20 years? I, I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's historically a basketball school. It's been a basketball school. It's been a relevant basketball program, but it ain't. And, and we don't, you don't have to like it, and you can try to quantify it in whatever way you want to quantify it, but there's nothing about Maryland basketball that's significant today or has been for a very long time. If you think that's a basketball school, in again, in the context of like, yeah, but basketball is more important than football is on campus, okay, but the same can be said about Fordham. It, it ain't a basketball school. You can call it a potential sleeping giant, and it could become a basketball school again within years with a new coach taking over, but today... It's just not the case. I mean, we can only deal in reality, and the reality is it just ain't that. Um, I, basketball school. Towson's becoming a basketball school. They pounded James Madison on the road on Saturday. I mean, obliterated them. They now are in a very unique situation where tonight they play a game... <laughs> And if they win it, they win the CAA. It's just that, you know, they're down by nine with 18 minutes to play when the game restarts. It's a very bizarre scenario. There is good news for Towson. The math was done on this. Um, our buddy Terry Nolan Jr., who was not dressed for the Delaware game when it was started, will be able to play. There was some confusion about that. Apparently there was a past rule in the NCAA where if you weren't dressed for the game and it was suspended you could not re-enter when the game was restarted that has been addressed that has been taken care of that rule is no longer on the books terry nolan jr can play tonight for towson in the second half of their game against delaware but they got a rally they're down by nine if they can then they're going to be the number one seed in the caa tournament they're going to be regular season champions which is a notable accomplishment if they cannot they'll still be the two seed they'll still have a very good chance of winning the CAA tournament and reaching the NCAA tournament, which, of course, is what matters in a one-bid league. So that's the scenario going into tonight. Uh, Navy is the two-seed in the Patriot League tournament. Loyola, unfortunately, things really kind of fell apart for the Greyhounds in the last week of the regular season. No shame in losing at Navy. They're very good, but then they followed it up with a loss at American to wrap the regular season. So they're going to be the sixth seed 
in the Patriot League tournament as well. So that's kind of the overview of college basketball for the week and the weekend in the area. Today's show is also brought to you by, this one's brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing Underdog, I don't know what you're waiting for. So much fun, even if you don't win every time. And it's like betting, you know, you're not going to win every time. You're going to feel like you're betting when you play Underdog Fantasy Football because you can play player props, parlays, all of those types of contests. Plus, they have the traditional daily and weekly fantasy games available for you. Download the Underdog app or go to underdogfantasy.com. I get it. Football is over, but they've got basketball contests and hockey contests, and we pray at some point baseball contests as well. All available, underdogfantasy.com. And when you use the code PRESSBOX and make your first deposit up to $100, they will match it with free money for you to play with at Underdog Fantasy Football. Why don't we grab our first break? Um, scheduled to be joined by Lonnie Baxter here in just a couple of minutes. We know Dan Bonner is going to check in before the hour is over. That's all coming up. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 
including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. What a weekend it was down in College Park, and we know our next guest was a big part of all of it because he was a massive part of the Maryland Basketball National Championship in 2002. He remains the only player in school history to be the most outstanding player of a regional, having done it twice in his career he is the great Lonnie Baxter, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Lonnie, it's Glenn and Paul. It's always great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat with you, my friend. Hey, to Take me through, right? Like, I can only imagine what it means to all you guys to get back together. Was there one particular moment this weekend, maybe somebody you hadn't seen in a while, anything like that, that really stood out to you being back around the guys? Uh, yeah, just everybody getting together. Um, I think it's the first time everyone has seen uh, Ryan Randall since we all left school. <laughs> wow. Um, and, you know, just to have the whole team back together again, uh, it was just amazing. You know, great group of guys. You know, we had a blast this weekend. You know, take me back. It's funny, Gary brought up Ryan Randall to me. I didn't realize that Ryan had kind of disappeared on everybody over the years. <laughs> I had no idea that was the case. Um, yeah, he Lonnie, take me back. Um, I, finish this sentence for me, right? The reason we were able to get the job done in '02 was because of what? Um, because we felt like we should have won in 2001 um, at Minneapolis, yep. but yep. we didn't. Um, you know, uh, we don't like to make any excuses, but, you know, people who were at that game. The officiating game, sucked, Lonnie. I'll say it. It was the worst officiated <laughs> game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, strange things happened in the second half. Um, you know, we were up 22, you know, going into halftime. And then, you know, uh, it was just an unbelievable second half. But uh, it is what it is. And, and that, that propelled us to come back and win it all next year. No doubt about it. it a magical team, a magical run that it was. Lonnie, I, I asked Gary this recently. I'm going to give you the same question. How has your perspective changed 20 years removed, right? Like from what you were feeling that night to now looking back on it 20 years later, how has your perspective of winning the title that year changed? Um, I wouldn't say it changed at all. Um, I mean, being from the state of Maryland, I mean, it's still a dream come true. You know, I mean, when I see people, you know, out and, you know, they recognize me and they're like, thank you for what you did in 02. So it's still been the same for me, you know, um, me and Juan Dixon were the two players who were from the state of Maryland, so it, it meant a lot more for us, you know, to to, to win a national championship for your, for your home school. Uh, it was just a dream come true, and it still is to this day. You know, I, I bring that up because Gary said in a way, like, he had more appreciation for it now all these years removed, right? Because, like, in the moment, you're still living it. Obviously, you were about to start your NBA career and – you know, it, it, has there been any of that where, like, oddly, you have a greater appreciation for it now because you're more removed from it? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, you know, just looking back at the the tremendous, you know, team we had. I mean, and the the chemistry, the camaraderie. You know, just a great group of guys to always be around. Um, you appreciate it more because you know we don't 
we're not in the locker room every day with each other, uh, with, with each other anymore. Um, you know, we don't hang out. You know, everybody has their own lives, you know, families yep. and everything. So uh, when you get back together, I mean, you really appreciate it more, you know, after these 20 years. He is Lonnie Baxter. He's with us here on GCR. Lonnie, you mentioned Juan, and I saw you sharing. By the way, I loved you were such a wonderful social media follow this weekend, by the way, to see all the pictures of everybody from over the course of the weekend, <laughs> giving me all those sort of uh, those, those, those touchy feelings, you know, just – um, you met, I saw you share a picture of Juan with you, Juan, and Robin, and mm-hmm. it got me thinking, right? Like, you've watched Juan begin his own coaching career now. Were, mm-hmm. were you at all surprised that that was the path for him? Were you, knowing what you know about Juan, did you expect him to become a head coach one day, or were you surprised by it at all? And, and what do you make of, of Juan as he launches this career and what he's capable of doing as a coach? Oh, not at all. I'm not surprised. You know, Juan, um, you know, he loves the game very much. And, you know, with his gifts, you know, he he's great at coaching. You know, that's why he took that path. You know, I remember when he was on, on Turgeon's staff to start out with. Um, and, you know, he's just, you know, a great student of the game. And now he's passing his knowledge on to the kids that he coaches and, you know, his own kids as well. So, no, I'm not surprised at all. Did you did you feel that when you were playing alongside of him? Did you you know like have moments where you're like, bro, you're not the coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Juan has that type of leadership, you know, where you know, I mean, he's just driven, you know, um, he's very relentless, you know, just just has a great passion for. It. So yeah, I mean, this is where he belongs as a, as a head coach. Do you believe he could? You know, Lonnie, you know, obviously what's going on right now at Maryland. Of course, mm-hmm. besides besides the fact that they got a really nice win yesterday, and I can only imagine that added to the level of fun for you guys being there that they played so well. But you know what's going on, and there are various opinions. Do, do you believe? Not, I, I'm not asking you if he should, but if if Juan were to be hired to be the next basketball coach at the University of Maryland, do you believe he could succeed? immediately at a level as significant as the Big Ten? Uh, of course. You know, um, like I say, Juan was, you know, on Turgeon's staff. He knows the program. Everybody loves Juan. I think he would be great, you know, for that job, you know. Um, you know, coming back to his alma mater where it all started, I mean, it would just be um, something else in the history books, you know, to, to write about because, I mean, you know, Juan's that type of person. He's very charismatic. You know, he has the drive, he has the energy and the passion for it, so it would be great to see him as a head coach of Maryland. He is Lonnie Baxter. He is with us here on GCR. Lonnie, you know, speaking of this, as someone who obviously cares a great deal about the program, the way that you do, of course, right? Like, do, do you have things that you want to see during the course of this coaching search? Do you have any opinion at all about what you want from the next coach at the University of Maryland? Um, What do I want? Yeah. Um, I just want us to be able to compete on a high level again. I mean, it's it's been a very down year this year. You know, it's been a lot of adversity, a lot of strange things going on. But I just want to see us to compete at a high level, you know, the way that we know, you know, Maryland is capable of playing. So, um, I mean, that's all I really want, to be honest. Do you do you worry at all? You know, I, I, I bring this up. We were talking about it earlier in the show. Do you worry at all about, you know, it's so great to celebrate you guys, but we recognize in the 20 years since there hasn't even been, you know, an Elite Eight run um, Mm -hmm. since that point. Do you worry at all about whether or not Maryland can return to that prominence that you guys created for them? Uh, Of course they can, and I believe that they will. Um, You know, it's just a matter of time, you know, to get things turned back around. 
but I know that it will happen um, sooner or later. Um, like I say, uh, I'm just waiting to see, you know, what happens, just uh, letting the process play out. And then just going from there. I mean, I appreciate that. And I certainly believe that there's no reason to think that the right coach couldn't get Maryland basketball back to that point. Right? Unfortunately, they don't make many more Gary Williams. There's unfortunately. Yeah. I was teasing him this weekend. I was like, you need to come back and save the program. So. <laughs> could you imagine, by the way, could you imagine how electric that place would be in the fall? Oh, man. If, like, yeah, it, it would be. if they just went that route. A lot of people have thrown that idea out, right? And that, it's. I say it knowing it's almost certainly not going to happen, but there have been a lot of people that have thrown out the idea of, like, what if you, you you identified Juan as the next guy, but you said, let's do two years, right? Let's do two years of letting Gary come back and being the guy for two years and Juan being with him and then acknowledge, like, a succession plan for Juan to take over for Gary after that. I, it, I don't think they're going to do it, right? But, like, that <laughs> – that, that sounds pretty good, doesn't nah, it? No, I mean, I, I've seen Stranger Things. You never know what can happen, so uh, man, we just have to wait it out and see, and then, you know, just hope for the best. Oh, it would be it would be so cool. Hey, I, I was talking – one of the things when we had Gary on last week that I brought up, and I want to run by you, Lonnie, the relationship you guys shared with him where he could get after you, but you guys were able to give it right back to him – and it, uh-huh. unlike a lot of coaches who would be fragile and who would say like, "No, I'm the coach. You don't. You don't talk to me that way." How impactful was it that you guys created a bond and a relationship where you were able to go back, curse at him, and yell at him, and give him a taste of his own medicine? And how significant was that for you guys in getting to where you ultimately got to? Um, from day one, you know, Gary always showed tough love, and I always understood it from the beginning. And, you know, I mean, you know, there were times where, you know, like you say, you know, we would go back and forth, but he knew we were going to give it our all on the court. You know, you know, we made a mistake. We were going to make a mistake going 100 miles per hour, um, and he just trusted us, you know. So we, you know, gave our hearts back to him, you know, just giving it all on the court, uh, you know, because, you know, he's our fearless leader. And we trusted him, and we would do anything, you know, that he said because, like I say, he's Gary, and he just instilled that in us. And that's why we were able to, you know, persevere through all the ups and downs and adversity through the years at Maryland. That's cool. That's cool. Lonnie, uh, this is a great question that came in from uh, Chris. He wants to know if you've kept anything for 20 years later. What do you still have, like, memorabilia-wise from, from that season, from that run, from that night in Atlanta? What have you held on to 20 years later that you still have, like, in, in your office or something like that? Um, I, I mean, I get gifts all the time. I got a gift a couple of weeks ago from someone, um, the, a picture of the starting five of the, the national championship team, me, Blake, uh, Chris Wilcox, Mouton, and Juan. Um, it's sitting on my desk where I work at at Jim Coleman Honda. That's cool. Um, you know, and I mean – Gary Williams' wife bought a couple cars to me, and I delivered them both to his house, and he gave me a poster of the celebration of me and Juan, you know, um, on the floor celebrating, and Taj was, was holding us up. Um, and, you know, things like that, I mean, they're just priceless. You know, they'll be etched in my mind forever, you know, and, you know, 20 years later, I mean, things like that just mean the world to me. You know, it's so funny, Lonnie, you and I talked about this when we were working on our print issue at Pressbox, which is available right now, by the way, if you haven't picked it up, the 20th anniversary celebration. You can go pick it up at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations in the area where you find Pressbox. 
But tell, tell me about that image, right? Because it's the most iconic image in Maryland basketball history, right? You guys, you guys sharing that moment after the title game was over. When you see that image, what does that mean to you, Lonnie? Oh, man. Um, the, the, the biggest thing I remember about the title game is just the, the clock hitting zero and Juan throwing the ball in the air. And then after that, it was just just pandemonium, just, just oh, my God, just living on cloud nine that we actually achieved the national championship after everything we've been through, you know, in the four years at Maryland that I was there. Is it a reminder? You know, you reference a couple times. You guys were the local guys, right? Like, you were more the D.C. guy. He was the Baltimore guy. D- does it remind you that, like, this can be done? If, if, if the Maryland program can just get kids to stay home and know that you can do this thing, there's, we know how much talent there is in this area, right? Like, we know it's there. Um, is it a reminder of, of how much more it can mean for kids if they choose to come to Maryland being local that winning it what you accomplish can mean so much more to you um of course you know our team you know we weren't a bunch of you know um highly sought after players you know we wouldn't have any mcdonald's all americans um we all pretty much came in as unknowns and we left as national champions and that's something you know that'll live with us forever and um i mean i just can't say enough about you know the university the fans coach williams my teammates what all of them mean to me, and, and this weekend was just a reminder of the, the special unit that we had. It's awesome, man. All right, Lonnie Baxter. So, uh, if uh, if somebody's in the market for a vehicle right now, where should they be looking? Oh, I'm at Jim Coleman Honda in Clarksville. You can stop by anytime. I'm always here. So, I and I, all in. A- I mean, I can only imagine somebody walking. How many times has somebody walked in and been like, "Wait, really? This it's it's, it's you? How often do you yeah. get that in your life?" Uh, it happens quite a while. So, but uh, I mean, I'm used to it. You know, I mean, I'm just glad to still be here serving the community and helping in any way I can. It's awesome, man. We're glad to have you still in the community and back involved with the unit. I know it had been a few years there before you had been back, and we're so glad to have you back more frequently with the University of Maryland and involved, man. Uh, Lonnie, uh, you're not correct. You're not on Twitter, correct? No, just uh, Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook. You can find Lonnie Baxter on either one of those, and of course, give him a follow. It'd be crazy if you weren't at Lonnie underscore Baxter thirty five or at LB underscore Jim Coleman underscore Honda as well. You can find him in those places. Lonnie Baxter. Greatly appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much okay. for taking the time for yeah. us this morning. Uh, glad that you were back and enjoying it with the guys this weekend. Let's chat again soon, all right? Okay, thanks for having me, and God bless. Thank you. Lonnie Baxter, one of the all-time greats in University of Maryland history. Appreciate him taking a couple minutes for us this morning. Look, I, I don't think there's a chance in all hell that it would happen, that scenario with uh, Gary and Juan Dixon. I know people have thrown it out there, and it's – I feel the same thing as you feel when you say it, right? Like, I absolutely have that feeling of, oh, how wonderful would that be, right? He's 80, right? There's that. That's part of it. And it's just not – you want to find the guy that's going to be the guy. Mm. And if you think Juan Dixon's that guy, if you think he's your heck, hire him, right? Go ahead and just just hire him. Be on with it. If Juan Dixon's the coach, I'm going to guess Gary Williams is going to be willing to be – he's been helpful with people that he hasn't cared nearly as much about in recent years. I'm going to guess Gary Williams will be as helpful as he can possibly be if you hire Juan Dixon as your head coach, if you believe Juan Dixon's that guy. 
if you believe it's somebody else, you know, hire that guy. But I, I assure you, the reason why you have those feelings and why you think about it and you can't dismiss it, I have so many of those same feelings. I get it. It would be magical to, to do something like that. It would be magical to experience that. Appreciate uh, Lonnie Baxter taking a couple of minutes for us here on GCR. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. I, I don't know what else there is to say. I have, I have been to the mountaintop. I have seen it all. And all I wanted was smoky thigh wings from Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Get your order in. Take care of dinner tonight. You're starting to think about March Madness and wanting to camp out for a weekend and just have nothing but wings and ribs and burgers to celebrate with. Glory Days Grill is, of course, the place to get all of it. And GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Continue to talk a little Maryland basketball this morning. Thanks again to Lonnie Baxter for joining us. Uh, they got a really surprising win. Not, not just surprising they would win, but the manner in which they did it against Ohio State yesterday. And our next guest was on the call. Of course, former Virginia coach, CBS analyst. Our friend, Mr. Dan Bonner, is back with us now here on GCR. Dan, it's Glenn and Paul. Always good to catch up with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Well, good morning. Uh, it's always nice to be invited. It's great to hear from you, Dan. I, you know, I've been—I was talking about this at the beginning of the show. It's difficult for me to give context to what happened yesterday because I—I I think that you say that there is a testament to the fact that um, in trying circumstances, Danny Manning has led a group that has not quit, right? Like has not simply folded and given up and packed it in because their coach was gone and they lost another assistant coach. And that means something. Does it mean he has to be the next head coach at the University of Maryland? I don't know that it means that. I mean, they still haven't won a lot of games in this time. But I do think it's, it's, it means something that they have remained competitive and that they were capable of winning a game like that yesterday because I do think it's possible that in these circumstances a lot of groups would say, we got nothing to play for, and, and they would just kind of fall apart as the season went on. I think that's a, an accurate statement, and uh, as much as I think Danny Manning and Matt Brady and Greg Manning and the other people on that staff have done a really nice job, I think the primary people that you have to credit for the fact that they haven't quit are the players themselves. Uh, these are obviously, for the most part, very experienced guys. Uh, a couple of them, like Fats Russell, came to Maryland for the purpose of seeing whether he could play at that level, and uh, so, you know, I just, it's a circumstance that I've never heard of before. And so I'm sure those guys have never experienced before. And yes, the coaching staff has done a nice job keeping things together, but the players have been fabulous in their competitiveness and their willing to, willingness to keep going on. And, and, uh, and yeah, that means something, right? <laughs> well, it does mean something. Uh, and, and I, like I say, I don't know what it means about Danny. Danny is a uh, a very good coach, a very good person. Uh, I don't know, you know, he's got a personality that is sort of very low key. Uh, and I'm not sure that that's what the people at Maryland are looking for. You know, I don't know that people in Maryland have any idea what they're looking for. <laughs> uh, they're looking for somebody who wants to win the national championship every single year. 
and you know, so they're they're out of their minds. Uh, and I don't know that Danny at this stage in his life wants to deal with that. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I, should Danny Manning be considered? Absolutely. But the fact that the team is, you know, hasn't quit, is, is that enough of a recommendation? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but certainly, uh, I think that Danny and his coaching staff, but more importantly, his players have done a really nice job, uh, just continuing to play, continuing to compete, continuing to fight. Dan, you've caught a lot of Maryland basketball games for a long time. You've been around this program for decades at this point. Give me an idea for you. You say, I don't know what it is that Maryland's looking for. What should Maryland be looking for in in this search for a new head coach? Well, number one, I think Maryland, uh, and again, uh, the, the, the staff, the, the administration is limited by the insanity of the Maryland fans. Uh, and when I say that, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not using that as a pejorative entirely. You, know, you want fans who care. You know, fans is short for fanatics. You want people who care. But I'm not sure that the Maryland fan base has a realistic uh, level of expectations. But put that aside, what, uh, I think what the Maryland administration should be looking for is somebody who can lead the Maryland program in the current day and age. Uh, you know, I think they, they need somebody who is uh, experienced uh, at a high level, uh, somebody who has some head coaching experience, possibly, although not necessarily. Uh, you know, Arizona is doing pretty well yeah, with a really guy well. who is a head coach, who was never a head coach, who was an assistant. Uh, years ago, Kansas, one of the country's top programs, hired – a little-known assistant coach uh, named Roy Williams, and that didn't go too badly nope, for them. it worked out okay. Uh, but part of the thing that is going to be a problem for the Maryland administration is winning the press conference. Uh, and, I, see, I, I don't think they should worry about doing that. They should get somebody who, who, you know, for example, and this is a guy I don't think they'll even take a look at, but Dennis Gates, the head coach at Cleveland State, Mm-hmm. Uh, two-time Horizon League Coach of the Year. Sure, uh, he's got his team. They're the number one seed in Horizon League again this year, uh, and that's one of those leagues where you're only getting one bid, so you have to win the tournament, uh, the conference tournament, to get to the NCAA tournament. But he has taken his teams to NCAA tournaments, and he was for a number of years the assistant coach for Florida State. And at Florida State, he helped recruit guys like Jonathan Isaac and Xavier Rattan Mays and Dwayne Bacon and Trent Forrest and MJ Walker. And, uh, you know, there's a whole string of guys who uh, have played in the NBA. And so that's a, the, uh, the pedigree of a person who, who can recruit, the pedigree of a person who can coach, the pedigree of a person who has long experience in coaching. Uh, but again, I, I, is he a flashy enough name? to satisfy the Maryland fan base. But what I would say is he uh, is exactly the kind of person I, that they should be looking for. I love I love that. I mean, I, I, it's, an, I, it's a name that I've heard a couple times, not necessarily in connection to Maryland, which is unfortunate. And, yeah, everything about his profile suggests he's a coach very much on the rise that, that is capable of doing significant things the next job. Dan Bonner is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Dan, what you allude to, of course, is the idea of – You've got to overwhelm us, right? Like we we want we want it to be a home run. Maryland fans think that Nate Oates should want the Maryland job, right? Nate Oates probably doesn't want the Maryland job, if I had to guess. Um, that being said, 
let me let me throw out you know the, the names that have been discussed. The Ed Cooley in Ed Cooley's name I think is perfect for this conversation. I, the question I keep coming back to is: Is Maryland a good enough job for someone to leave a place where they're happy? Um, and Ed Cooley I think is the perfect example of that, right? Because my God, just look at that atmosphere in Providence, and he's beloved, and it's his alma mater, and he's this iconic figure, despite the fact that he's won one NCAA tournament game during his tenure there, right? If if you're somewhere where you're happy, is Maryland a good enough job for you to say? happiness be damned, I, I got a shot to go do something incredible there, and I got to take it. Well, the first, I, I will address that question by saying one thing, and that is happiness is the most important thing. And so if you're someplace where you're happy and you're content, then there is no job that's worth taking. And the guy who demonstrated that year after year after year before he created a job that is now one of those jobs is Mark Few. Right. Uh, you know, and Mark Few, I have actually talked to him about this over the years, and happy means an awful lot. Uh, and so I think that, you know, Ed Cooley is, Ed Cooley is not a guy, I mean, he's a native of Providence, and as you say, he's beloved in Providence, and, you know, every coach out there can look at, you know, Mark Turgeon was a popular figure among his colleagues. And the first thing anybody's going to do about the Maryland job is call up Mark. And if Mark describes his experiences, you know, let's face it, Mark was never popular with the Maryland fans, not from the day he got hired. But these are the same fans who ran off their, uh, you know, Gary Williams because he wouldn't he wouldn't dig too deeply into that AAU cesspool. Uh, And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't recruiting, even though, you know, none of those guys on that 2002 national championship team were highly recruited guys. That wasn't the way Gary functioned, but okay, that got passe. So we could get rid of Gary. And now we get in a guy who's supposedly a good recruiter and he was a good recruiter, but you know, he wasn't winning the national championship every year. So, you know, we don't like him. Uh, so why would Ed Cooley in a position where he is beloved, why would he want to walk into a situation like that? Even, you know, no matter how much money they could offer him. It's an interesting. I, I, I'm taking it back a little bit, Dan. Um, only, only be, the, more the Gary side of things. Where I, I definitely know. I mean, I lived it. There were plenty of people that, you know, there, there are insane people that exist within every fan base, right? Like that we know that there are insane people that, that exist in the Duke fan base. Um, I'm not saying there weren't some of those that existed, but I, I would, I would never agree the idea that he was run off in any way. You know, like I, I that, that seemed, that seemed a bit. I don't know, over the top to me. Gary, you know, of course, was two years removed from that, that great team with Gravis Vasquez that, um, you know, if, if not for Corey Lucius's shot, obviously, in the, the round of 32, perhaps has a chance to return to the Final Four. I I, I don't know. I, that that seems tough to me. I, I, I'm i in a weird place where, I look, I, I do think the Maryland fan they're not just going to love you for the sake of loving you, right? Like, you, the alone being in the title of head coach is not going to make you a beloved figure, and I, it's one of the things I appreciate, right? I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the way that it should work within sport. Is just because you have a title, you're treated as a deity. I don't, I don't think that should be the case. You're, you're someone that has a job, and you know, a very high-paying job within a state, frankly, where tax dollars go to it. But I, is that something you think coaches would be scared of? Is the fact that they don't immediately get treated as a deity just because they're the head coach somewhere? Like, it, I, and, and I, you, you know, obviously, you know far more about this than I do. Is that the assumption that someone should have, that, that just being called head coach or in that title should give you the, 
the 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 overwhelming appreciation and and beloved nature within a fan base because your title is head coach. I don't think I don't I don't think that's the case at all, and I, I I'm miscommunicating if you think that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, you run off a guy who's been to five NCAA tournaments in the last six years, and it would have been six out of seven right. except for the COVID year. And I think coaches do look at that. You know, they don't have to. You know, they don't have to be deified just because they're the head coach. But I think a lot of places, most places, they, you know, okay, six NCAA tournaments in seven years. Now, as has been demonstrated time and time again, that NCAA tournament, you know, the one and done kind of thing, it's a crazy, uh, and even Gary, even Gary, uh, I've read some articles uh, talking about the 2002 national championship team where he says, people don't understand how hard that is. They say, oh, oh no you question. have to win six games. Well, right. it's, it's very hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that come up. And so I think the fact that you get there is, you know, you, you, you're there six times in seven years or five times in six years, excuse me, let's be accurate. And nonetheless, you feel, for whatever reason, compelled to give up that job in December, for heaven's sake, right. when you have a team that's eight and four. I think that sends a danger signal to people who are looking at the job that just what exactly is going on there. It's interesting. It's interesting, right? Like, I, I, I'm not – I'm somewhere in between the two things because I, I do think that there is an unrealistic nature of, of, of what Maryland basketball is within a percentage of the fan base. I, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm flipped on this because I I'm I, I've always been the Mark Turgeon thing has always been difficult for me because I don't I think Mark Turgeon's a a good coach I think he was a good man I I, I don't think in any way at any point was Maryland basketball embarrassing but I I do think it is the nature like if you're a high level coach it, it's, do we not expect that that you're going to be measured by what you do in the biggest circumstances and you know Mark Turgeon. Never, you know, last time, last year they beat UConn. It was the first time he beat a single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament ever. Um, does that not matter in this context? Are, are, are coaches not capable of saying, if I go there, I expect that I'm going to do better than that? I and I and I say that not trying to challenge you, Dan. I hope you don't know that. I'm really just asking questions out loud as we try to go We're through this process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so no, no, I, I I don't feel challenged at all. Uh, I think all coaches want to be successful. Yeah. Uh, and I think they want to be successful at the highest level. And I think they expect to be held accountable if they're not successful. But I think that uh, a lot of coaches would tell you, you know, that uh, Mark Turgeon had a degree of success. Uh, let's, let's take, for example, a, a person who now everybody would acknowledge is a heck of a coach. Uh, his team's having a tough year this year because of some injuries. But Leonard Hamilton is a perfect example. Yep. Uh, Leonard Hamilton is somebody who it was a long time before he got that, that program really rolling. Uh, and so, yeah, was Florida State just smart? Did they not care and just care enough about basketball? You know, I don't know what the answer to that question is, but uh, I just I think when you get to the NCAA tournament five times in six years, that should count for something. And if your your administration or your fan base or whoever is not satisfied with that, all I'm saying is is that uh, that if I'm I'm somebody who is in a situation, and you know the name Andy Enfield has been mm -hmm. thrown around, one hundred percent. If or Nate Oates or any of these other people who we're talking about, uh, if I'm in a situation where I'm comfortable, 
then why would I take a job where I know that if I go to the NCAA tournament five times in six years, that the people, possibly the administration, possibly the fan base, uh, are going to be unhappy with my performance? Uh, you know, that's my point. Here. Sure. I'm not. I'm not criticizing right. uh, the Maryland fan base. I think they're a great fan base. Uh, you know, again, you, you have. Uh, that's that's what you want. You want people who care, and you want people who care deeply. You don't want apathy, um, and so I'm okay with that. But what I'm telling you is, where you ever if the Maryland fan base or the Maryland administration is looking for this home run hire, then I'm not sure they're going to get it because if you know I'm a coach and I'm in a comfortable situation, right? Why would I go to a place where if I go to the NCAA tournament five times in six years? People are going to be unhappy. I guess that's the point that I'm making. Well, and, and I do think it leads in. I promise I'll let you go here in a minute, Dan. I really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Glad to do it. Um, uh, I'll follow it up with what is Maryland basketball, right? And I, and I do think this is the relevant question that comes from all of this, right? It ties it all together. It, is, is this a, a program 20 years removed from even sniffing a Final Four, right? Like It's not even like they've been close in 20 years removed. And, of course, they celebrated it yesterday while you guys were there. Um is Maryland still that type of program? Like, is it still a place where you can go and believe you're winning national championships if you're the next head coach at Maryland? I think if you're the coach in the Big Ten, if you're a coach, if you take a job at a Big Ten school, or you take a job at an ACC school or an SEC school or, you know, whatever, uh, any of the big conferences, then you have to look at the possibility, at least the possibility that you, you can be capable of winning a national championship. I think that's why you go to a place like that. That's why you give up a job, uh, maybe at a, a, a smaller school, a mid-major, a low-major, where you've had tremendous success because you want that challenge. So certainly I think that uh, Maryland is a place where that ought to be one of your goals. But your question is, what is Maryland basketball? And that is where you get into a very interesting question. Mm -hmm. I read where... Uh, uh, Damian Evans, the AD, said that Maryland is a top 20 program. And my question would be, is it? Right. Uh, you know, is it? And, and my answer would be, well, uh, no. They're a program that, you know, uh, every now and again, uh, and sometimes maybe on a frequent basis, has a top 20 team. But are they a top 20 program? You know, I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, can it be a top 20 program? Well, yes. But is it? Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, and then the other thing is everybody says, well, you know, you ought to be successful at Maryland because you have the, the DC area where you can recruit. Right. Uh, well, yeah, you do, but everybody else is recruiting in the DC area. And it's not like it was <laughs> right. at one time where people are all fired up about going to school close to home. If you look around the country, the guys who stay at home are rare. Uh, you know, the, the kid from Ohio state, uh, uh, Liddell. Yep. Uh, one of the big stories leading into the Maryland game was the, the treatment he got from the fans at Illinois, because here's an Illinois kid who elected not to go to Illinois. Uh, and I would submit to you that that's more common now than uncommon. Uh, you know, the kid, uh, the Branham kid from Ohio State, uh, it's a big deal uh, that he's from Columbus and he went to Ohio State. Uh, it's a big deal that the Blake Wesley kid from Notre Dame is a South Bend kid. And he went to Notre Dame. It's rare. Just because you live or your school is in a potentially fertile recruiting area doesn't mean that you are ipso facto going to get all those recruits. It's, it just doesn't happen anymore. Like, that 100%. Way. 
100%. All right, Dan, I promise this is it. I'll let you go. Hey, who who's good? Who can actually – the top six teams in the country all lost over the weekend, right? Like, uh, I, I, who's good? And, and it, does does any of this open things up that, that maybe Towson could win the national championship somehow no, this year? No, Dan? no, no. no? no. Towson's, Towson's not going to win the national championship. They're a hell of a story, though, Dan. I'm telling you. Oh, would be, wa- would watch be out. They get, they get in. They're really good, man. They could be a threat. They're a top 60 Ken Palm team. Like, they could be a threat. But who's who's legitimately good? Is this is it as insane as as maybe somebody if somebody's just parachuting in and and watching college basketball this weekend, seeing all the top teams go down? Is it the story that it's because this is the most parody and there could be thirty teams that could win the title this year, or is it really just sort of one bizarre weekend where a bunch of good teams lost and it's still likely to be one of those good teams who ends up winning the title? Well, I think it's going to be one of those good teams who ends up winning the title, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a lot of fun uh, talking about it. I, I think that there's, uh, there are, you know, there are probably 20 teams out there that could do it. Uh, let's, for example, take a team like a uh, uh, Tennessee. Uh, that uh, you know, Tennessee is a team. They've they've had some big wins. They've been blown out a couple of times. But they're a team that can they can grind it out, and I think you have to be able to grind it out in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I, I think a team like that is certainly they wouldn't be on the top of anybody's list, but they're certainly capable. Uh, and I think there's a number of teams out there like that. Uh, and so I, I think it is going to be a, a fabulous NCAA tournament. I think it's going to be really fun because it's one of those years where we're not going in and saying, oh, you know, it's either going to be Duke or Gonzaga. Right. Uh, you know, that's not what we have. Uh, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be one of those great years. He is Dan Bonner. Dan, what's your schedule like this week? Well, I've got uh, Georgia Tech and Clemson on Wednesday, and then on Sunday I have the Missouri Valley Championship game. I'm Arch really Madness. anxious to get out there and, and see them. I, I go out there every year uh, at this time uh, to do that tournament, Kevin Harlan and I, and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, that's, they, there's some pretty, you know, Loyola Chicago, uh, who a lot of people have either on the bubble or in the tournament, uh, they're the fourth place team in that league. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to that tournament as well. It's a, What an atmosphere that is. They got something special brewing out there. Dan Bonner, really appreciate it. Uh, really an enthralling conversation. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. Hopefully we can chat again as we get into the tournament, sir. Okay. All right. Thanks. Dan Bonner checking in with us here on GCR after he called the game yesterday. Look, I'm I'm always going to be inclined to push back. I I think there is a relevant side of what Dan Bonner is discussing, which is what the expectations are versus what Maryland is. This is what I was going back and forth with Jeff Ehrman about yesterday. I, I think there are a group of people that are continuing to just throw out this idea that Maryland is a top notch basketball program. It ain't. I don't think that they are. I think that they should be. That, that's the part. A hundred percent. Paul, I completely agree with that. I think they should be and they can be. Mm-hmm. But to say they are is not... What are we basing that on? Not this year. It's not just this year. To, to call yourself a top-notch program is not, well, you know, they were ranked a couple years. Stop this. What have you actually accomplished internally or externally? Internally being the investment that you make in order to ensure that you're that type of program. 
If you say, look, the results don't show it, but we're saying internally we're willing to spend $10 million on a coach this year. I have not heard that from anyone. I know the athletic threw out the idea that Damon Evans is willing to spend big money, but all the reporting I've done has said it, it ain't going to be something absurd. They're not saying, come hell or high water, we're paying the amount of money that it takes to get the guy that we want. $10 million seems like a lot for I mean, any program. I mean, I'm, $10 million is crazy. I'm, not, I'm right. saying that they're not spending beyond mm-hmm. what you would think would be reasonable to to make the statement, no, we're Maryland, we're players again. We're going to get the guy. We're going to allow money to be what overcomes the happiness thing. This is the, you know, everybody said, why would Ed Cooley leave? He's very happy. Well, if he was offered $8 million to be a coach somewhere, yeah, you can be really happy with that amount of money, right? Like, there's an amount of happiness that that can buy you. So that would be an internal way that you could show you're still that program. Internally, what we see is they still don't have a practice facility. That's the internal side. The external side of it is they've accomplished nothing. They haven't won anything. They've got one share of a conference title in a regular season in the last decade. So externally, they have nothing to show. Internally, they have nothing to show. In no world is Maryland today a significant basketball program. The statement that you made and the statement that's more relevant for everybody to make is, can they be? Absolutely they can be. You hire the right coach, given the talent base that's in the area, given the prominence of the school as a whole, it is a prominent university. There is every reason to believe that the right coach can make Maryland basketball prominent again. A significant program. But today, February 28th, God, it's oh, February's already over. Holy crap. February 28th, is Maryland basketball significant? No. No. In fact, I, you know, again, as I was getting into this, I should have called Jeff today. Maybe we should call Jeff. I don't want to do, keep bringing his name up without, you know, having the conversation with him. I, I, I brought this up. Jeff tried to throw out this, like, um, Wall Street Journal used to do this valuation. Maybe they still do. I just couldn't find it for the last year or two. They used to do this annual valuation of every college basketball program. And in, in trying to make his argument about how significant he was, he sent me one and showed Maryland as being the sixth most valuable uh, program in all of college basketball. Then I looked down and said, that was from 2016. Hmm. I said, Jeff, that's six years ago. He said, yeah, six years is a, you know, it's, it's, it's a sand in an hourglass, you know? And I'm like, I did my own research and found out that the last one I could find was 2019. They'd already dropped down to being 19th in just three years. They'd gone from being the sixth most valuable basketball program in the country to the 19th most valuable basketball program. And someone would say, hey, top 20 ain't bad. Well, if they drop from six to 19 in three years, and it's three years since then without accomplishing anything... Where are they now? Are they still in the top 30 of the most valuable basketball programs? And you're not comp- – the idea that uh, – the other one that, that Jeff said, well, the top 20 of 340 Division One programs. Well, your competition ain't USC Upstate. If that's what your competition is, you're screwed. You're in a, you're in a really bad place. We're talking about of the power programs, where do you find yourself? Of – 60 or so power programs at the moment the last valuation we had them roughly at the edge of the top 20 presuming 
It hasn't gotten better. And seeing as how they fell 13 spots in three years, let's just say they still sneak in to the top 30 at this point. That means they're merely in the top half of upper echelon programs. It's better than Boston College. It's better than Wake Forest. It's better than Washington State. But a prominent basketball program? Not today. The next coach and the administration are going to be responsible for whether or not that becomes the case again. And can it be? Yes. 100% this can become a prominent basketball program again. I absolutely believe that. But are they today? Are they a job you just leave because you've got the chance to be the Maryland coach? And there are places where I think that's the case. I 100% believe that if the Syracuse job becomes available, and I don't think they're going to fire Jim Beheim because I don't think they would do it to him, and he certainly wants to come back, but let's just say they go into a room and say, Jim, stop, it's over. And he retires. I think there are a number of coaches around the country that say, nope, I'm out. That Syracuse job is available. I know what can be done there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And maybe the two are closer than I think. Maybe it's just the Jim Beheim factor that's elevated Syracuse, right? I mean, it's still miserably cold there and getting kids to want to come there. I mean, that, to do anything other than sports casting because that's the only place you're allowed to go if you want to become a broadcaster. Very weird bit. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that too. Maybe I am. I think there are a lot of jobs where people would just say that I'd, I'd, I'd leave any job in order to get that. But I don't think Maryland is that. Today's show also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel, the place to be not only for all of the big events. And again, as we start thinking about the tournament getting underway in a couple of weeks, you are going to want to live in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It's that thing that people always talk about going to Las Vegas to spend four days just hanging out in the casinos. You can do that right here at home. You can do that at Live Casino and Hotel on the FanDuel Sportsbook from noon to midnight beyond every day watching betting on basketball and live odds make the experience so much more significant the ability to be sitting in the casino watch the numbers change on a game and say i got a funny feeling about this team coming back i like them beforehand i think they got a rally in them i just think they got off to a bad start those live odds suddenly flip things once upon a time Morgan State had a 10-0 lead over Oklahoma in an NCAA tournament game. That's going to change live odds. And as much as I love that Morgan State team with Reggie Holmes, we all knew this was Blake Griffin in Oklahoma that we were talking about. So if you watch those live odds, suddenly it's going to impact it. An Oklahoma team that was an overwhelming favorite coming into the game suddenly becomes a lesser favorite at that point. And there's money to be made. That's the beauty of hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. 51 self-service kiosks that are open 24-7. Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland, and the FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll come back in. A few things from this weekend that I want to get to. The This insane suggestion. I, by the way, Major League Baseball players have everything going for them. We all, we all are, are more inclined to be on their side. Until we find out they want to completely rip up the postseason with this bizarre-ass idea that they threw out there. We'll talk about that um, and some other stories in the weekend we haven't had a chance to get to. That's on the way. Jeremy Kahn later on in the hour. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 1130. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Brought to you by the Vandal Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash Press box online. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battleround. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Paul asks, uh, do you think that Kevin Plank and Under Armour has had actually a negative effect on basketball? Uh, Money has been going into football, i.e. the -the state-of-the-art training facility and locker rooms named after him. But a basketball school is still looking under couch cushions to pay for a practice facility. I would disagree that it's a negative impact. That's only part of that statement that I would disagree about because, you know, Kevin Plank has also certainly made contributions basketball-wise at the University of Maryland, too. I I guess what I would say is um, if you're going to be a basketball school, you would argue it would be nice if your most prominent donor cared most about basketball, right? Like, that would be... That would be a good thing. And for the what it's worth, the majority of them do. Most of the people that are money people, and this is the best argument for them still being a basketball school, most of the people that are that are most significantly involved at Maryland are still people that are basketball first. It's just that the one that's the most prominent, the most well-known, happens to be a former football player at the University of Maryland. And so it's just sort of a unique situation. I don't think it's a negative impact, but I understand what you're alluding to that it seems as though the investment has been more significant football-wise. And I guess what we have to come back to is as much as we want the story of college sports to be about winning, the story of college sports will always be about money. And your your jobs internally are measured by how you do in terms of making money for a program. And as much as we love basketball here, the sport of football will always be a bigger, 
opportunity-wise moneymaker than basketball will ever be. It's the nature of the beast, man. This is America, as Childish Gambino once said. It's the reality, but yeah, you know, it's it's an it's a fair question. It's reasonable. All right, let's touch on a couple things I haven't a chance to get to uh, from the course of the weekend. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Ghost wins, huh? Ghost wins. That's the idea. As I said, you guys think that's crazy, but wait until you find out the game two of the series is going to be a soccer match, and then game three is going to be a British bake-off. Now you're on board, aren't you? Now you're on board. I, I, I have no idea what in the F that is. I mean, no clue. The, uh, as it was first reported by Ken Rosenthal yesterday. The union proposed a, quote, ghost win, unquote, in a 12-team format and floated the same idea in a 14-team plan, sources say. In a best two of three wildcard round, the other two division winners would start with a one-game advantage while playing the entire series at home. The league is not receptive thus far. Example, the Brewers in 2021 would have faced the Phillies in a best of three. Under the union plan, the Brewers would have needed to win two games, the Phillies all three. Without the ghost win, the only advantages for non-buy division winners in the league proposal would be choice of wildcard opponent and home field advantage. Well, that doesn't even make any sense because if the, Phil- the Phillies would need to win all three, the Brewers would need to win two. The Brewers really would really only need to win one because as soon as they win one, the Phillies are done. What? So you said the Brewers in that situation in 2021, the Brewers ah, right. would have yeah. needed to win two. Phillies yeah, because win you're three. already giving them one win, yeah. right? And it's a best of th- it's a best of three. And if you already have one win, you've got two chances to win one game, whereas mm-hmm. they've got to win. And they don't. I guess they they don't have to win three. One team has to win one. The other team has to win two. Right. Is really the story, right? Like they have to win both of the games they play. The other team gets two cracks at winning one game. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying too hard. We're trying too hard. Just play baseball. Correct. I mean, that, that's a different, you know what I mean? Obviously, that's more in, more infuriating. But you got to deal with This is when you deal with these things, right? Like, you do have to figure out, because it has to be collectively bargained, what your postseason is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And there are relevant arguments to be made about why it is the union wants the regular season to matter so much. They don't want it to be... Then an expanded playoffs, which is what baseball wants because the playoff games are the ones that people actually care about and you can actually sell and you can profit off of. Unfortunately, the regular season, the nature of it being 162 games, there is no prominence to a national TV broadcast of a baseball game any longer during the regular season. It's, Fox doesn't even do it. They give you a, a regional game. like They're not even attempting to sell a national baseball game during the course of the week. Baseball has figured out the product that we can sell nationally is the playoffs. The regular season is regional. The regular season was going to be regional. You can't, you can't fix it. There's too many games. Even if you cut it back to 144 games, that's still way too many games to make any of them individual prominent broadcasts that are worth big dollars to the networks. They're worth something because the networks all have to fill you know, their time, right? Like ESPN is going to want to have some baseball games to put on the air because they've got, what else are they going to put on during the course of the summer? The MLS every night? 
no offense to the MLS or WNBA, they need they need those those windows to be filled by something. So they'll pay something for it, but there's a limit to what they'll pay. MLB Network doesn't even make their own broadcast. They just re-air somebody else's. The What they've figured out they can profit off of is the postseason. So Major League Baseball says, we need more postseason, and you guys have to understand that because it's going to be whatever we agree to, it's more money for everybody if we've got more postseason games to sell to these networks. They're not wrong about that. Right. So now the union comes back and says, okay, but the more teams you put in the postseason, the easier it is to make it. And if it's easier to make the postseason, then the teams don't feel the same need to spend money in order to make sure they get in. So now we've got to come up with some sort of way to still give a significant advantage to the teams that try the hardest in the offseason and spend the most money to be the best teams in the season. If there's no inherent advantage between being the one seed and being the seven seed, why are you trying all that hard? Why are you spending a boatload of money to get in if you've got the exact same chances of getting to the World Series as the one seed and the seven seed? We all know that's not inherently true, right? Like, inherently, a team that's that good is probably because they're that good. More often than not, it's because they're that good, right? But the point is not irrelevant. The point is, it shouldn't be that there are seven teams that all have exactly the same chances once they get there because then a bunch of teams are going to look around and say, we don't have to try to be the best team. We just have to try to be good enough. And the players want you to spend money on players to try to go be the best team. So this is crazy because what are we doing? But I get what they're trying to solve. If they took the terminology ghost win out of that and they just said you have to win the first game to get on even keel. If you don't, you're done. Would that change the perception of it? It would change the perception. I mean, it's it's absurd to say we're going to play a best of three series and only play two games, right? Like it's right. absurd to throw that out there. But to say something like, um, I, I, I you've got to earn it to earn it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you, I don't. I think the first thing I would start with is the the side of this that I think is 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 I'm listening on is the side where all of the games are at home. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of a game altogether is the problematic part. But if you wanted to say the first round is going to be a best of three. So let's just live in a world where seven teams are making the playoffs in each league, which a lot of people would already balk at, right? But we get it. They want more playoffs. So seven teams are making it. That means one team is getting a wild card, getting a, a pass, the, t- the number one seed. So there's already a benefit to being the number one seed, right. which is you're getting a pass through the first round entirely. But the other three teams that are the, the other two division winners and the top wild card team all get to host the entirety of that three-game series – that is a significant advantage. Yeah. That does say you're f- much better off being the two seed or the three seed than you are being the six seed or the seven seed. It's not as if road teams can't go in and win two out of three. Of course they can. You got the opportunity, but you got to do it on the road. You don't get even as much as one game at home during the course of three games. I like that idea way more. I, I-, I think that alone shows a sizable advantage. Mm-hmm shows a this is why you should attempt to try to be one of the best teams in baseball and not just one of the teams that get in gets in because it's going to be very hard to do it. I would even be willing to go a step further than that and say make it a five-game series. If what you're worried is that 
if the if a bad team just happens to have two good pitchers or a mediocre team just happens to have two good pitchers, it doesn't matter where the games are, they could steal a series. Mm-hmm. So expand it to five. And and maybe baseball argues that's too much because you've got a, one team that's sitting and waiting and you don't want to have them waiting for a whole week to have these series play out before they have to play again. I, I'd think through that. but So make it a five-game series. And again, all five games at home. I, that part of this argument I love. I love the idea that if you're not one of the top four seeds, you don't get guaranteed a home game in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, the thing there is you know that the owners are probably going to be against that because there's going to be, what, two or three teams that don't get a home game in the first round of the playoffs, and that's less money for them. Be better. I mean, be better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's not that hard. It's, it's, it's easy to say that. Yeah, go be better. But, I mean, they're, they're squabbling over I, what amounts I, to pennies. I, you know? I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And of course, they're going to uh, they're going to balk at everything. That's part mm-hmm. of the pro- That's part of the reason why we're here is right. because they're balking at everything. I'm about to be punished, by the way, because deal's not getting done by today. Oh yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we have to figure out what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess we'll have to talk about that with Drew on Wednesday. We will have to make a determination on what it is that you're going to have to do. Ooh, start sending me ideas for what Paul's going to have to do because he's he's going to lose our bet. Almost certainly, he's going to yeah, lose guaranteed. our bet. Well, as I said before, I'm still not. I, I don't think they're going to announce tonight unless they are drastically far apart. Mm-hmm. I think if they believe they're even within shouting distance, they are going to pretend like they never said what they said. They're going to say we will continue good faith negotiations, knowing that if they could get something figured out this week, there is absolutely zero reason why they couldn't play the first game on oh, March thirty. Glenn, that insinuates that any of these negotiations have been in good faith. I, you're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that, Paul. If they are, I'm telling. If they leave tonight, and they are anywhere, if they believe they're within a week of maybe coming to an agreement, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll announce the cancellation of games yet. I think they will postpone announcing the candidate because it's always been fraudulent it's always been nonsense the players were always going to fight about it the players were never just going to get on board with making less money this season right so if they know they're they're in for a fight the players going to want to play all 162 anyway and you're going to have to push the season into november then i think they're going to be more inclined to come back to the table and say all right we'll delay that announcement of more cancellations and we'll wait a week until we do that we'll give ourselves more of a week but we'll see we'll see how that plays out more of the story being it's it's it sounds dumb. It sounds absurd. There is more when you actually sit back and try to figure out how they got to that, you get it. They're trying to solve something that makes teams want to go spend money and be one of the top teams in the league. I would never have it involve a ghost win, and I would really never have it involve one team needs to win X number of games. The other team needs to win a different number of games. I just, in American sports, we don't do that. It's what makes it so easy. Someone can tune in for baseball starting the postseason that hasn't paid attention all year long and be into it because it's not that hard to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's a best-of-blank series. The first te- This team is up two games to one, which is probably the reason why they're throwing in the ghost win. Because they want to continue to make that part easy. They want somebody to tune on, turn on the game and see Dodgers uh, lead series 1-0 up in the top corner, best of three, and figure out what it is they need to do in order to get there. They want to continue to make it as easy as possible in that way. I, I'm just out. I'm yeah. out on, on that part of it. Just play the game. If you, if you do it that way, you don't have UM, UMBC beating Virginia. 
Well, but that would be a different scenario, right? Yeah. Like th- this team still has the opportunity, right? Yeah. Like you still have the opportunity in baseball. But you're in a significant hole against one of the best teams in baseball. I the other issue is th- there's two things they're up against. The the winner take all one game playoff is the best drama you get in all of baseball. The wild card game has produced the best baseball product that we have seen since its introduction. It's unbelievable. Unless you're on the losing team side. It's not fair in any way. Right. But how do you measure fairness versus product? We want everything to be fair, right? Inherently, we want a a fair way to determine a champion. But if you're baseball and you've gotten a great product out of it, do you want to get away from that? I don't know. It's the tricky part about this entire equation. The product has been unbelievable with these one, these one game playoffs. It's been it's so good. That's why everybody wants a game one sixty three. They want everything exactly coming down right. to down to you want a there playing to be game. One game with you got to throw throw the kitchen sink at it to try to win the game. You got to have all of your starting pitchers pitch in order to. You want the it's oh it's so captivating. Mm-hmm. It's gripping. Is it fair? No, it's probably not fair, but it's so good. It's so good, and so we won it because of that. Um, apparently, the Colts are going to make a, a proposal to fix the overtime thing. Good. I, I am not, and and all the reporting suggested there, of, of course, is not overwhelming momentum to think that it's going to happen. I mean, I get that. The NFL has never thought this was actually a problem, so why do they suddenly think it's a problem? Um, I I wish this would have happened three times in the postseason. I wish it would have been so overwhelming they were forced to deal with it, but they were already able to forget about it just two weeks later. The, the Bills-Chiefs thing is the thing that we'll all remember from this past postseason, despite the fact that neither team played in the Super Bowl. Um it needs to be fixed. It is needed to be fixed. It is an embarrassment for the entirety of the NFL, and it 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 probably won't be. I mean, if I had to bet, they'll just keep it status quo. I mean, they 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 tried insane things in order to fix the debacle at the end of the the Saints uh, Rams game from a few years ago, and they eventually just said, "Eh, we stop caring. If it happens again, it happens again. So be it. We're the NFL. Who gives a rat's ass?" We're bigger than life. Who cares? This needs to be fixed. I still can't believe it's as difficult. People are making it as difficult as they are. It's a simple it's thing. It's insane. I mean, it's insane how difficult people are trying to make it seem like this is. And by the way, this goes back to the fair. It not only is it fair, it also improves the product. This is what makes it so bonkers. It's a better product. People are like, we don't want the games to go on forever. Says who? You think that I've said this a billion times. If you have watched the entirety of an NFL game and it is captivating and in overtime, are you suddenly tuning out because you've decided, well, it it reached the three hour and thirty minute mark. I'm done. Nonsense. Get the F out of here with that. Fix it. I'm glad the Colts are introducing something. I hope that the other teams will introduce something. I also worry that there will be multiple introductions made. Remember the Ravens threw out that utterly absurd spot-and-choose thing that the NFL tried in the Pro Bowl, which solves the problem in absolutely no way. Insanity. 
So I do worry that part of the problem will be there will be so many suggestions made that not one of them will be coalesced around, and because of that, it's just not going to get fixed. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about briefly, I, I don't really have much in, you know, Lord knows I am not an analyst when it comes to war. I am not the right person to talk about it. I think everybody on the planet that has a, a right mind is is horrified by what's going on right now in Ukraine and and continues to think about them and know that they're in the right. I mean, I had to sit down with my kids this weekend and talk about the evil man that is in charge in Russia and the awful, awful things that he's doing. The news came out this weekend that FIFA will continue to allow Russia to participate in World Cup qualifying. They will not be allowed to play the national anthem. They will not be allowed to be referred to as Russia, much like they did in the Olympics. But they will continue to allow the players. And the argument is, well, it's not the players on the team's fault that the evil dictator has gone to war. And there's something to be said for it. The follow-up response to that was from some of the countries that are slated to face Russia that said, we're not going on the pitch with them. We're not doing that. No chance. And I get that too. I completely understand it. And sometimes there has to be collateral damage. I get it. I want everything to be fair in the world. And it's not necessarily the fault of the players that are on this Russian soccer team that they live in a country that has an evil, vile dictator that makes these decisions. But unfortunately, they might have to be collateral damage. It might have to be that for the good of the world, we say sorry. It sucks. It sucks. No, you want to play. No, you want to compete. No, all those things. But we have to take a stand about something. And all of these other teams that rightfully don't want to participate in a soccer match against Russia right now, and you can completely understand that, we're going to listen and support that. Sometimes there has to be collateral damage. It's about as heavy as I'm going to get. I don't, I'm not going to go too much further in that because I am not qualified in any way to discuss any of the rest of the topic, but I do think that I side with the rest of the European countries that have said, we don't want to do this. We, we don't, we're not going to, we are not going to participate. I will not take the pitch against this Russian team. I don't care if you say we're not playing the anthem and we're not using the colors. I don't care what you say. I'm not taking the pitch. I'd side with them, and if I was FIFA, I'd say you're out. I did just see something that said 54 minutes ago that FIFA has suspended Russia from international competition. Oh, has that changed this morning? Yeah, okay. I, saw, I saw that. That's why I gave you a little head shake, because I, I saw it on your uh, timeline earlier today. You saw it on our timeline? All right, well, if that's changed, that's good news. FIFA are set to suspend Russia's national team from Russia. Okay, all right. Yeah, it looks like that. it looks like that has changed this morning, so that is good news. Over the weekend... That was the plan. It does look like that's changed. All right. Well, if that's the case, I mean, I still, I'm only seeing it from one source, and I don't know this source. This is I saw it from, from um, Ocean Shine. I don't know who that is, um, but I'll I'll try to get more on that uh, here before the end. I see it from uh, CBS Sports. Okay. I mean, they, they certainly that would seem to be significant. All right. Uh, very good. Much much better thought process than what they originally had planned, and that's where pushback from the rest of the players in the world turned out to be a very good thing. 
All right, it's Monday. That means we chat with Jeremy Kahn. We do it every Monday, of course, to host the Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. You see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. I promise we are not going to – we are not qualified to discuss this topic, so we're going to talk about other things. What's going on, brother? How are you? I also am involved with this. I'm doing well. I will no longer use Zangief when I play Street Fighter. There you go. Look look at you doing your part. Look at you. Just because you are a bad guy does not mean you are a bad guy. <laughs> you know, so. The hero. Not to make light of the situation at all. No, 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 no. The hero. You are truly the hero that we need. And you know what? While we're at it, I'm not I'm not going to watch Rocky Four until this is over Ooh. either. I want to make that promise. I'm going to. But we ended the Cold War. That's true. That's true. We did. We said, oh, God, the man saved the world. If, if, if I can change and you can change, then we all can everybody change. Everybody can yeah, change. 100%. 100%. <laughs> What's going on with you, dude? Everything good? Yeah, so things have been good. Um, had some interesting weeks in the gambling streets, if you will. Um, I had. <laughs> So I had a really bad beat this weekend, which uh, everybody let me oh, know. Oh, were, were, wait, were you, were you on the Arkansas thing this weekend? Arkansas was my top play on Saturday. Yeah. And, um, like, it was a bad beat for a couple different reasons. Like, the game was close, so I'm not, like, upset by how it finishes. But when you watch it in real time and realize that they were going to run out the clock and yep. the whistle blew, then they research it, and then a kid goes to the foul line to shoot two, which could have at worst made it a, a push if you had it at three. If you had it at two and a half, you're guaranteed a win if he hits both of them. Misses the first, hits the second, pass it in. Don't want to foul, don't want to get near somebody. Guy chucks up a three-pointer that banks off and goes in. Unreal. And Kentucky covers Unreal. by a half. Unreal. So, yeah. What, yeah, what Kentucky, is, you were happy. If you had Arkansas, you were me. Yeah. Do you so. do you know like your all-time – so everybody knows, of course, Van Pelt has, has been famous for the bad beats thing. Do mm-hmm. you have one – like the, like the story of the Belk Bowl. Do you have one that will stay with you eternally, that there will never be able to be a day where you shake that particular beat? I have two okay. um, that stand out. So one, one you'll understand, one game you'll remember because it's, it's one of the you know, biggest comebacks in Super Bowl history. But, um, so I had, I had Georgetown uh, minus – this was a long, long time ago. We're talking like 2005, 2006. I had Georgetown minus, um, I think it was like 16 and a half, and they were, uh, they were covering by 18. And a guy threw up a three-quarter court shot, and it went in, uh, and it covered the spread. And I don't, remember, I don't remember who they were playing. So they end up winning by like, it, and it's no harm, no foul to most people watching the game. Of course not. They end up winning by like 14 or 15, whatever the number was. But I know it, it, the, three, the three-quarter court shot that went in covered the spread, oh. and they counted it. Oh. Um, but but the one that stands out to me most is the uh, twenty eight to three Patriots comeback on the Falcons because of how how easily that could have ended. So think about like you're you're winning a ton of money. It's almost like who wants to be a millionaire? Like you know you're down to that million that million dollar case and you got five other cases to choose between. So I was hitting every single prop bet. I was winning the game. I had Atlanta in the under. I'm locked in. Oh, you meant deal or no start. deal. I was trying to figure out what I, – I, I swear to God, when you, you said who wants to be what a millionaire. What did I say? Oh, no, no, yeah. who wants to be a millionaire. I'm like, yeah, I'm like what are the cases I, and who wants to be a millionaire? What are you talking about? I figured it yeah, out. Yeah, I I'm mixed sorry. up my, my yeah, shows, yeah. but I did not mix up this game because I lost I, – I was winning a, uh, a small fortune, and then it went from winning a small fortune in 15 minutes to losing it. Oh, um, oh. Like losing everything because I had – I had this stuff like James White under receptions, under yardage. Oh, um, oh. I had – I mean, there was just a lot that I really liked in the game, and I didn't think they were going to go to James White because of game flow and, and this and that, and that he wouldn't play a part in it. 
And, of course, he got hot in the fourth quarter, and they just rolled him. Um, he scored an, a touchdown, and I had him not scoring a touchdown. Like, just everything that could go wrong. I had Tom Brady under passing yards. Everything was hitting, and I, it was a mortal lock. But more importantly, I had a ton on the game. And um, and I had the under and, and the, the Falcons parlayed, and both of those blew up. So it was just – it was one of those days where I was so happy at the end of the third quarter – and so sad when the game ended. Oh, um, oh. It just, yeah. Yep. That is an that is an eternal bad beat. You're a hundred percent right about that's an eternal bad beat. Well, All even right. in the end, with them throwing the football, if Matt Ryan doesn't take a sack, they kick a field goal and they win the game. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's absolute insanity the way that that went. All right, let me let me cover this with you. So we were just talking about this a second ago. Everybody's making fun of the baseball players for this ghost win idea, and I get it. It's absurd, but. I also get what it is they're trying to say. They want there to be an advantage to trying to be one of the best teams in baseball because it means that those teams will try to spend more money on players in the offseason, right? If the the team if if you go seven teams in the playoffs in each league and the seventh team has roughly the exact same chance of winning as the first team does, then they're afraid that owners will say, "Well, we don't need to spend all that much money because we don't have to be the best team. We just have to be good." And then get in and have a chance. They want there to be an inherent advantage to being the best team or one of the best teams in the league because they think that's going to drive teams to spend more money, right? So let's accept that premise for what it is. We all we all seem to agree that the idea of a ghost win is absurd. I mean, it's just it's laughable how bad that is. I suggest if you're going to do a best of three, right? If you're going to put seven teams in in the first series, is going to be a best of three. Just say that the other top four seeds, the other the two, three, the C three, and the four seed, get to host the entirety of the series, right? That makes the most sense to me. Is yeah. that where you are? Okay. Yeah, and and it's funny, like not not to just totally ruin the question that you were about to ask, but like I, I can see where you're going, and my my mind moves the same way yours does in this fashion, where it's like that makes the most sense. This ghost win thing is nonsensical, um, you know, and trying to set this up, and I understand what they're trying to do, but I just think it's. It's like the competition committee in football. I think they're overthinking things too much. Just like, you know, it's baseball. We know what it is. You don't think it's fair. They need to come to an agreement on what the playoff format's going to be, how many teams get in, all of that. And that seems like the minutia to me compared to some of the other stuff, the, the money and the financial stuff where the, uh, you know, the, the players association is like, okay, this is what we want. And then, of course, ownership says this is what we want. And then they're incrementally moving a million dollars. Doesn't make any sense to me. But this thing, it seems like a no-brainer, but if you're going to do it in that format, then why not just have them play all the games at home? That is a distinct advantage. Correct. That would make you say, we need to try to be... And again, we all know, like you, if the uh, if the team that's a lower seed happens to have two really good pitchers, they could win the series. You know what I mean? Like it, It's not yeah. as if it can't happen. It's still an opportunity, but I do think it covers the side of it where there is a serious advantage to trying to go and be really good and spending real money and competing and knowing that it's not just as simple as if you get in, you have as good a chance as anyone. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and it's been a big problem in baseball. Like if you look at some of the other sports, Glenn, like the NBA, we've seen other teams get in and make a run. Uh, we've actually seen teams that we haven't seen win in a long time. Not that they're not power teams now like Milwaukee, but, you know, you're a Suns fan. I don't think anybody's yeah. predicting the Suns to make that run last year that they did. And I know there were some extenuating circumstances with injuries, but 
they've showed you that they're a real legit team as they have the best record in basketball. Start, right starting now. to get nervous about the starting to get nervous about it. They lost the Jazz yesterday. They lost two straight without Chris Paul. Yeah, I'm but starting to get a little figuring nervous. Figuring it out without without Chris know. Paul. Devin Booker know. takes on a brand new role, and everybody's role kind of changes. So um, as they beat uh, a good, you know, they beat one team they're expected to beat. They lose to a team they shouldn't have. Um, and then, of course, last night's game was a tough one. Yeah, the Jazz are good. Jazz, right? yeah. yeah, they're yeah. a good team, and they're finally healthy again. By the way, how so, bad are the Lakers? Holy F, man. Well, that was – I talked about this. That was my top play yesterday, the Pelicans. And I said, why are people still betting on the Lakers? Like, they haven't been watching them. Like, oh, my God, they're the Lakers. They're going to figure it out and flip on a switch. And Oh, they're only a one-and-a-half-point favorite of the Pelicans. The Pelicans traded for C.J. McCollum. They made a great right. trade and bettered their team. They're a better team than the Lakers, whether people want to hear it or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, but that's, but that's kind of the point though, that where it's a little bit more wide open in the other sports. And I forget who it was that just did the article where they were talking about like, realistically, like who has a chance outside of the big dogs in baseball? Like, do you have a chance to make it like the, the Rays went to the world series, uh, two separate times in what the past, what is it? 15 years now, 12 years, whatever. Um, but do we really think that they're, they're going to be mainstays to making that run? Cause everything has to go perfect for them. Like they haven't missed on a trade. For the most part, they've stayed relatively healthy. They've made great moves in picking up vets that don't have huge contracts, finding the perfect fit. At some point, one of them blows up in their face, and they're right back behind the eight ball, in my opinion. Um, I think the Giants fall off this year. You know, some of these teams that we expected, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're in it. This is a great story. The Brewers, teams that haven't been there before, at least in a long time. I feel like in baseball, we, we always know who's going to be there um, and make that run. Uh, they just have a stranglehold over the division with no salary cap. It's, it's going to be the same thing. They really have to have an off year for them to not be in the playoffs. Uh, you're right about that. That is true. And I, I guess what I would say is I still get the concept, though. Like, I still don't think this is I, – I still think that there is a relevant argument for the players to say, but we want more teams to be trying, right? Like We want to be incentivized – for more teams to try to be like the Padres a couple years ago or the Blue Jays or the Rangers this offseason. We want there to be more teams to feel incentivized to really go for it instead of just sitting back and saying, we'll take our chances. You're not wrong that like the teams that have just sat back and took their chances probably aren't going to be the teams that win the World Series anyway for the most part, right? Like That's true, but I, I still think it's to try to further incentivize more teams to push to be that team. So doesn't the that lottery the make, make more sense than anything then, as far as like the draft picks oh, go? And, and again, right. you're not going to usually get immediate, uh, you know, drawback from the the draft picks. In baseball, we know it takes. You know, look, we're still waiting on what is it, year three now with Adley Rushman and some of the expectations. Some of the things I heard is that he might be starting at catcher on opening day, uh, to the shock of many. But we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, but if you change up the lottery, even if you gave everybody the same amount of ping pong balls, if we did it that way. Uh, one through 12 or one through whatever. Right. What you're going to have teams doing is if you get to that 12 or 13 mark is intentionally try to lose to get into the line. Right, a lot, yep. Um, you know, but, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the correct answer is, but I think there has to be some sort of way to do that. The correct answer is put a salary cap in baseball. We don't have that issue. Well, our sal- and more specifically, a salary floor too, right? I mean, that's, yes, the, that's, the part, that's the part that we don't talk about nearly as much, which is when people throw out salary cap as being problematic, well, if it comes along with a salary floor, um, you know, then then we'll talk, right? And, and I get it. The the Major League Baseball Players Union has stayed this powerful because they've stayed this powerful, right? Like they are not just going to suddenly agree to something. But if they could be guaranteed X amount of dollars every year, no matter what, 
I mean, I, I think at that point it might be worth considering there being a salary cap as well. But I don't think it's coming. I don't think it's coming this week. I don't think that's yeah, happening. I don't either. Yeah, I don't think so that's Glenn, happening. Let me let me do a little play by play here and give you. Like Ooh. I always like to tell you the more interesting. Oh yes, please. So, yeah. One of, one of my favorite things back in the day is my buddy owned a liquor store, and I would go in and I would literally drink behind the counter with him. We'd sip on Jameson, and we'd people watch, and we just hang out, and it was just cool, kind of a cool, fun way. You'd see the little old ladies that sneak a bottle of vodka in ah, the purse. And, yep. You know, it's even it's more fun when we do it early in the day, like 11 a.m., and you're watching people go to work um, and seeing how the, the whole thing works out for them and what to. I just saw a guy who looked like, I mean, he looked like he won the lottery, but he bought himself a tall boy and I think a shot, and he was just getting into his car, and he was happier than, like, I, I saw him get out of his car, and he wasn't smiling. And then when he got that tall boy and he got his shot, whatever it was, as he was holding it in his black bag walking out, you could just see how excited he was. And I, I felt good for him because he was looking forward to that part of his day. Which uh, he's probably cracking it open as he's driving down Bel Air Road. Uh, right now. But, I love that. But he looked happy to have it. That's You know what? I can feel that joy. I can absolutely 100% feel the joy. It's that the you're, small wins in life. 100%, yeah. man. It's that, it's that yeah. thing. Jeremy Kahn is with us. Hey, um, I was doing this with Forrester the other day. I want to I want to pose it to you. So I I got McCartney tickets, right? Ooh. They cost me for two tickets, not not on the field, but like right off of the field, uh, down the first baseline, section eleven. For two tickets, it cost me five hundred thirteen dollars. Okay. What is the most money you spent for an event, an experience, and at what point? Do you start to worry about whether or not the experience can match what you had to expend? Like that, it, it becomes impossible. That this math can't work out. There's no way that this event or this experience can be as good as what it is that I had to pay in order to experience it. So I'm gonna make. Uh, I'm gonna give you a couple things here. I'm gonna make a statement that uh, I, I don't want it to get twisted because we all care about money, but I don't care about money. Um, I you know, like my wife is the saver in our family. If you, if you learn about our relationship, like I give her the money I make, I have enough money for me to play with my daily fantasy, my gambling, any other sorts of issues I may have. Um, but you know, basically I'm a grown child and my wife is the adult in our relationship. So when I, by the way, I'm sure everybody is really surprised to hear that. I'm sure they're like, you, Jeremy Kahn, really? No, my, my, my wife yelled at me the other day for something. Uh, oh, she was asking about taxes. Okay. So she said, where are your taxes from last year? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. She's <laughs> like, well, why aren't you saving these things? I said, I don't know. Right. And she goes, well, you should have it. Cause a, a grown responsible. Yes. Adult would have it. She's, and and I said, she's not wrong. I didn't have it yeah. before. You know, she's not. You knew I didn't have it before you asked that question. She goes, right. yeah. And I said, so why do you expect more from me if you know to expect less? It's a great, it's a great point, right? Like you, you, It's not like you just met me yesterday. Like, yeah. we've been doing this but for some time. I'm very aloof. Like, I don't care. Like, I give money away left and right. I know, that's like, true. I, yes. I, so, I, you know, it just, it, whatever hits me at the moment. So I would spend, like, if I really wanted to go to, I said, Mumford and Sons my favorite band. Yep. If somebody offered me front row seats and said, hey, I need you to pay a grand two grand for him. And I really wanted to go and I could work it out. I would pay it. Okay. So like, I don't have a problem with that um, at all. But the one thing that, that I brought up was my, uh, when the Avid brothers came to Camden Yards, ah, I spent yeah. um, 
I spent over thirteen hundred dollars on tickets for my friends. Because this was your birthday, you wanted to back. make you wanted to make an event yeah. out of it. It was my birthday. Some of them paid me back. Some of them didn't. But uh, it's not neither here nor there. Right. <laughs> but and I don't care about those. And, and if and if and if you're there. listening, Steve, he remembers. Just yes. just <laughs> file that away. He remembers. <laughs> <laughs> but so we go. We're sitting right right behind the Orioles dugout. Uh, the stage was set up at second base, so you really couldn't have been much closer than where we were. I was all set to see one of my favorite bands perform at my favorite stadium in the entire world. Um, and my wife tied one on and got too drunk. Yep. And we left before the, the concert even started. Yep. So, I pay, so I tell my wife when I show her my shirt that I got for $35, this was a $1,335 oh, shirt. Oh, man. Oh, the most expensive God. Of clothing By the way, I, I would think that would be what I would say when she brings up your tax situation. I think I would be like, hey, remember that time we went to that game that you cost me a $1,300 event? Maybe we don't yell about the taxes so much, huh? Well. And I might need that today because I'm about to do this a second time where the guy told me I was going to be in trouble with my wife. So my shovel this morning went to my wife, who is a nurse I that works it. overnight. It's a shovel of wisdom, so something goofy that happened. Yeah. So my wife, because she works at night, anytime she goes, anytime she pees, she, she never flushes the toilet because she, she doesn't want to wake me up because our schedules are very different. You know, yeah, you got to be up so at 2 in the morning. it's a pattern where she doesn't, you know, if it's, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. That whole Okay, act. yep. So yesterday I come home. Um, from uh, doing some work stuff and she was going to brunch with her family. And as I walk in, uh, you know, she got in the shower, ran out, whatever. She was in a rush. And as I come in to use the bathroom, I look down and apparently someone's brown did not get flushed. Oh down. no. Well, wait a second. So that I, couldn't, girls don't poop, Jeremy. So that's not your well, wife. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I thought. So I yeah. want to know who broke into my house. Right. And, and pooped. Exactly. My wife right. Was so embarrassed. And now she's going to be even more embarrassed because I told the story on the air. Okay. So I have a problem right now in that I did not, I did not wear my wedding ring for years because Ooh. I, after we got married, we got married. I had fallen back to like uh, 2002 Glenn uh, levels of being out of shape because I was at my my peak of drinking and carrying mm-hmm. on. So in the years after we got married, and when the kids came along, and I said, "Oh right, I don't want to die. Like I I need to to be around to help these guys out for a little while," and got myself back into shape. My ring was too big for my finger, right? Like it was just so I I couldn't wear it. And then a pandemic hit, and I just never. I never had the time to take it back to get it resized, right? Like, it took years. She would harp about it. She would lose her mind about it. I finally got it done. I literally just got my ring back last Friday. And now I get very nervous when I'm in the shower about the ring coming off because it still feels loose. Like, it still feels like it's... So I take the ring off when I get in the shower. And last night, apparently the second time in a week that I forgot to put the ring back on when I get out of the shower. And she loses her mind. As, no. as if it's me announcing I don't want to be married. Like, this is how separated from reality she is. Like, the reality is I'm very happily married. Everyone knows mm-hmm. I love my wife. Uh, we have a very, we've, we've got these two wonderful kids. Not, there's a reality because I have twice forgotten to put my ring back on when I got in the shower. She is convinced that it means that I hate her, that I don't want to be married, and that I'm going to run around and try to find some young uh, uh, Latino woman to build build a new life with, or something along those lines. Is that who you would build your new life with? Is it a young Latino? I don't know who I. If I had my I choice, want to check your search yeah, history. Yeah. So, <laughs> my, my, my wife. I, no, you know what? Take that. You don't want to check my search history, <laughs> Jeremy. My wife is the one that leaves 
her thousands upon thousands of dollars wedding ring and yeah. engagement ring in the soap dish next to the sink literally yep. every day. Uh, but it's, mine, that's less than a thousand dollars. If I take it off and leave it on the counter, she's like, "Uh, babe, I found your wedding ring." You're like, you're like, hey, yeah, I found yours too. Right? Yeah, I don't. Yours is in that soap dish I, every day. Look, I've always been uncomfortable with the idea of it. When we got married, I said, "Look, I will tattoo I'm married on my hand." <laughs> that to me is more comfortable than the. I've I've just never worn a ring in my life. It's weird to me, and getting used to it again after not wearing it for three years is very weird to me. Like it's 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 uncomfortable. So- it's odd. I told you what happened with me, right? Because so I wore my wedding ring so much, like I literally never took it off. I was playing flag football and we were in our championship game and someone tipped a pass and it hit me right on my ring finger and it popped my knuckle out of socket to where my finger was hanging down, like beneath my palm. As I'm shaking my hand, I looked down and went, Oh my God. And I immediately popped it back in the socket. And one of the guys on my team goes, that's not your finger with the, the ring on it, is it? You're going to want to get that off now because it's going to swell up. Yeah. And I was like, great idea. So I go to take it off and I can't get the ring yeah. off. Yeah. So I finished the football game. And <laughs> oh, we finished. We're of trying course. to get the ring off. Pri- hey, yeah, prior- priorities. Game. Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a championship. We ended up uh-huh. losing the game too, which makes this even worse. Oh. But, uh, so I ran down to like a Walgreens, Rite Aid, whatever, and got dental floss. And we did that dental floss trick, which I think I've told you about. It's one of the more excruciating pains I've been through. Sounds so you slide just... the dental floss through the ring, Ugh. and you wrap your finger up like a mummy, and you slowly unwrap it from the other side. And it literally feels like they're pulling your finger off Oh my god! every single time you go to unwrap it. Like oh. it's, it's excruciating pain for anyone that's had to do it. So I get my ring off, and then now my knuckle is so distorted, even when the swelling goes down, that ring no longer fits. So... For about two years, I didn't. I just didn't wear a ring. Right. Um, and then my wife was like, she. So for Christmas uh, two years ago, she got me rubber wedding bands so that I could actually they fit over my finger because my my ring fingers, the knuckles, like I said, it's distorted. So now I wear a rubber ring, and I have about I, don't know, I have about eight of them. Uh, but I once this one breaks, I'll just put on another one. Oh, it's a real but, shame, real shame about your finger in that lawnmower accident back in the day. Just really, yeah. oh real, no, that real, wasn't me. That was some. Oh, that was board. somebody. That was somebody else. Huh? I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Uh, nothing like taking shots, dude. We were at the Super Bowl one year, and I can't. I think it was like Maurice Jones Drew. Like, could not stop. <laughs> like every twenty really? seconds was like, dude, we gotta talk about your finger. <laughs> It's so uncomfortable. Oh, it was so uncomfortable for everybody. Well, thanks, MJD. All yeah, right. Uh, hey, uh, before I let you go, you want to you want to talk about uh, Radiothon from this past week? I know how much it means to you and everybody over there. And well, um, it was you know a- what's super cool about this, and and not that I'm gonna sit here and take my you know my my extra hand out and pat myself on the back or anything like that, but like being a part of it means a lot, and seeing that people come together and like I know a lot of people we love to see the donations of a thousand bucks, five hundred bucks. But you can tell when somebody's like, hey, here's $11.37 or here's 10 bucks. That's what they have to give. And like all of that adds up. And we raised over $1.3 million and it was more than we raised last year. And from what I was told, and if the information is incorrect, I got it secondhand. Out of all the radiothons across the country, we were the only one that made more money than we did last year so far. And I think there are more coming up. Um, So it was really cool to be a part of it. And then the other thing that I started to think about is we did – some different fundraisers for Mo. Um, we did the um, uh, the bobble, the talking bobbleheads, yep. and that money's been donated. Red Acre Farms, uh, Red Acre Hydroponics on the Eastern Shore. They're great people. If you're ever down that way, go check it out. But they did a farm to table dinner, and they raised a ton of money. And everyone that worked there donated all the money they made back. Oh, so everybody man. worked for free. And 
yeah, I think those numbers really helped put us over the top from last year's goal. So it just shows like some of the work we were doing in, I hate saying the off season for Radiothon, right. but beforehand helped get us over that number. And there's just like so many people to thank. Um, and, and look, I am, I'm, a, I truly believe like, I like, I love being a goofball. I love gambling. I love talking about sports, all these things. But the one thing in my life that's most important, more important than any of those, that other stuff is leaving the world in a better place than I found it. Whether that's changing one life, a hundred lives, a thousand lives, whatever I can do in that period of time, I've always believed in that. And to be a part of this, I told him, I said, I, I hope you, you, you ask me to come back every year because I'll gladly donate my time and do it. And I'm really looking forward to doing it down at the Children's Center and seeing all the kids and meeting them for the first time instead of just talking to them over Zoom or, or even, you know, hearing a recorded interview with them. But, yeah. uh, but it's really cool to see everybody come together. Well, hopefully that'll be the case in the coming years. And it's an incredible thing that you guys do for the Johns Hopkins Children's Center. I know how much it means to you. And it was awesome to see Sanzi get to be a part of the big reveal on Friday. I mean, that was just, that was, that, that that's the type of stuff that, uh, that gives its chills, you know, like it's what's just, the, what's the longest show you've ever done? Uh, Huh, that's a great question, man. Um, probably the longest show I've ever done. I did a um, a draft day that I think was like eight hours. Now, but it wasn't just me, right? Like it was it was four of us, and we were all in different. This is in Arizona when the draft was on Saturday alone, right? Like when they did that. I think we did twelve to eight. Or I guess whatever it would have been, you know, Pacific time that we were doing that. That's probably the longest show I've ever done. But I had the ability if I wanted to like step aside for thirty minutes and let somebody else do it. So I don't know. I don't know what the number would actually be of like me hard in front of a microphone. How long? I. So. Oh, I you know what? No, I was doing the week of the Ravens won the Super Bowl in uh, New Orleans. I was hosting every day twelve to to we basically made it twelve to eight. At that point, so yeah, I've done that. I've done an eight-hour show before. Yeah, I did almost twenty-four hours from on that Thursday and Friday. So twenty-four. It wasn't exactly twenty. It was like twenty-two hours of radio on Thursday and Friday in a forty-eight-hour span. But still, the longest show I did. And if you remember, um, I came in to do the Terps pregame years ago. Okay. Uh, when they played Virginia Tech, and oh, the, the game that never happened. Play, right. Fun. Yeah. Well, it did. Well, happen. Right, but it so, didn't happen. It was the water main break, right? Yeah. So a beer truck hit a water main, and it and uh, so the Terps game got pushed back from I want to say it was supposed to be at two to like nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So our station had no programming scheduled, and they so, couldn't they couldn't just turn it over to a network. There was no like well, none. They had no commercials, no programming, no oh nothing. I don't know why it was God. set up that way. Oh my! So I ended up doing God. an hour of radio, supposed to go in a Terps pregame, and then the game got postponed. And then I'm calling saying, "What do I do?" They're like, you have to stay on the air. Oh. They left me on the air the entire day from noon till nine o'clock until the game started with no commercials. We were running PSAs. I never heard so much about tsunamis in my life. <laughs> right. um, and like, luckily people were calling in cause we didn't have anything. You know, it. you, you plan yeah. out your show. You yeah, yeah, it out. You can't, you're on the air. You don't have the ability to book guests while you're hosting. <laughs> yeah. So like Bruce Cunningham randomly called in cause he heard what I was going through and oh. a handful of other people were like generous enough. So then I have to come back and do post game. Uh, the game went to double overtime. Right. So I didn't even get home until almost one thirty at oh night. Oh my god! It was it was the longest day of my life, and I was so happy because my old PD was like he was so thankful that I did it that he said thanks. Yep, <laughs> that, that sounds exactly so. right. Oh my god, does that sound? Wow, wow, boy. Well, Nada, can we? 
Not can we give you a day off? Can we throw you some gift nope. cards to this place? No, nope. just this or that? just just thanks, just thanks. thanks. That's it. Great. Nothing more than that. That's a hundred percent. And I know exactly who you're talking about. That sounds exactly right. That sounds one hundred percent accurate. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? So I'm uh, actually we're gonna have a I guess it's gonna be a mixed bag of, as we lead into the combine with um, you know the NFL draft that's gonna be approaching. But I'm on tomorrow and Friday. I'm off Wednesday and Thursday. I think Rob's off Friday. So you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I mean, we'll continue talking about what's going on with Major League Baseball and seeing if these guys can figure it out and get out of their own way. Well, I don't have I don't have a great feeling about it. Don't have a great either. feeling about it. At Jeremy Con one zero five seven on Twitter is how you find him. Of course, his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Jeremy, love you, brother. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Jeremy Con one zero five seven, the fan, the Big Bad Morning Show, hopping on with us here on GCR. I'm reading it from uh, Yahoo Sports. FIFA is in, quote, advanced discussions, unquote, to suspend the Russian national team from international competitions, including the World Cup, following the invasion of Ukraine, a source with knowledge of the talks told AFP on Monday. I don't know who AFP is, but I believe it's a like a foreign version of the Associated Press. So I do think that's reputable, and I do think that's legitimate, and, again, speaks to the the folks that stood up after FIFA's initial ruling and said, uh-uh, we ain't playing them. Not happening. No. And forced the issue. Because, yes, to John, your point, um, which was, this is what FIFA does, uh, FIFA being FIFA, they're a disgrace. Well, that's what they wanted to do. And it required the rest of the sport standing up and saying No which maybe should have happened when they decided to put a World Cup in, in Cutter too. Maybe there should have been more of a response like this, but it is what it is. This only occurs because the people within the sport, the actual players in Europe, all got together during the course of the day yesterday and said, no effing chance. You want to let them play? You're losing us. And again... I'm not blaming the players on the Russian soccer team for what's happening right now. And in a way, I don't feel sorry for them, but I certainly feel empathy towards them. I don't know how every person... I think we've heard... I mean, we've seen the protests. I think there are plenty of people within that country that find this to be vile and are horrified by what it is that their government is doing. So I feel empathy for the Russian soccer players that have nothing to do with this. And many, and I don't know because I don't follow them on Twitter, might have, some of them, it's very difficult within Russia. There's, a, it, it is a, uh, there's an amount of fear that you don't speak out against the government because you could be killed. Your family could be killed. So I don't know if any of them have spoken out. Majority of Russian athletes that have said anything have simply said, please no more war. Please, we want peace. It's a way of like saying something without going after Putin, without going after the government itself. Like you can just say something. We saw Andre Rublev, the tennis player, do that over the weekend. Alexander Ovechkin said it at a press conference last week. We don't, we don't want retaliation, so we're not going to come after the leaders of the country, but we want to say something, so we're just going to choose to say, please, no war, please, peace, something along those lines. And, and, and you get it. You understand, like, there's, there is great fear 
and condemning these actions internally because it's clear that this vile, evil dictator who leads your country is is willing to murder anyone. So I get it. I certainly don't hold it against Alex Ovechkin. A lot of people are going back and killing Alex Ovechkin because he has in the past has shown support for Vladimir Putin. I get it, and I and I wish that prominent people were in a more comfortable place in order to stand up, but I also think we need to be willing to understand the difficulty of that. Your family is still within that country. It's a very difficult thing to do. You don't want to see terrible things happen to them. And if you use your platform and you are as prominent as Alex Ovechkin in doing it, it's very clear you could be putting your family in danger for doing such a thing. So I, I understand why we want that, but I think we are we come from that from an American perspective, which is that we don't necessarily fear retaliation right. if we stand up and say something. Whereas clearly in that country there is great fear of retaliation if you don't and you know it's it's not dissimilar to situation in turkey it's not dissimilar to situations that we've seen over the years in other countries it's it's a reminder that for all of our faults and and we have a great number there are so many warts in this country it's a reminder of why we are fortunate to live in this country but I just don't think it's necessarily fair for people to try to get after Alex Ovechkin. I, I think you need to be taking a, a more broad look at the entirety of that situation when you talk about it. And again, good thing that FIFA is reversing course and, and changing their mind and saying, nope, we, we, we hear you. We're not going to do this. All right, uh, today's show is brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour, which continues tonight every Monday. Stan and Ross are talking baseball with great guests. Stan did three shows last week. Look at how hard Stan's working for you. For you. He's laying his blood, his sweat, his tears on the line for you. So if you missed any of the shows last week, Mike Torres, Al Hutchinson from Visit Baltimore, Don Marcus, you can find them all by going to the videos tab at PressBoxOnline.com or by going to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and clicking on video. Uh, great shows every week. Stan and Ross talking baseball on Monday. Stan and Gary Stein talking to a different newsmaker on Thursdays. Appreciate all the hard work that Stan the Fan has been putting in. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit and a tubular to wind down wind down for a Monday edition of the show. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Of course, you know, that's my place. That's my spot. FanDuel Sportsbook, 51 self-service kiosks, and the personal betting windows. The kiosks open 24-7, so whatever it is that you're betting, Whatever it is, you're betting soccer matches that start at 7 in the morning. No problem. You can bet at the 51 self-service kiosks right there in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. They've got you covered. Whatever it is that you're into, you're betting overnight, something late night happening on the other side of the world. They, You can bet from those 51 self-service kiosks plus if you sign up for live rewards, you can still earn your share of $10,000 cash. I got to get in the money machine. I want to do that so badly. Um, you got to sign up by March 31st because the cash drawings are on April 1st. Live rewards members, new live rewards members, that is, also can receive up to $20 in free play just by signing up. All right, and yesterday's decisive victory over Ohio State. Fats Russell's who Russell, who is averaging 22.5 points per game over his last six games, scored 27 points for Maryland. The performance tied Aaron Wiggins for the second most points scored in a game for Maryland since the start of the 2020-2021 season. Okay. The most points scored since the start of that season was by Hakeem Hart when he went off for 32 points on December 4th, 2020 versus St. Peter's. Sure. It was the thir- a legendary night. It was the thirteenth time in school history that a player scored thirty-two mo- thirty-two oh, points okay. or more, a feat accomplished by eight other players. Can you name them? And I'm, I have to give you a hint because it's not. They have all occurred. The first occurrence was in two thousand two. Well, Gravis, I know. Gravis Vasquez, how many times? Uh, I want to say he did it twice. Graves Vasquez did it three times, including the all-time uh, Maryland University of Maryland High 41 on February 27th, 2010. I, I do remember that. That might have even been that Virginia Tech game that Jeremy was just talking about. Um, since 2002. 
30 points. So the first occurrence was in 2002. Right, I know. So they're all since 2002. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. I just wanted to make sure there was no... No, that's, that's all. <sighs> this is a bad era of Maryland basketball, man. Remembering things that occurred in this era is... Ugh, is brutal. There's only one name on here that I wouldn't expect you to get. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Okay, so we're just throwing out the really good players. I get that, but... I, Mellow Trimble. Mellow Trimble did it once. And I think I remember that. But you know, even that I'm 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 not certain of. Right. Um Oh, Diamond Stone had that crazy game against Penn State. He did it once. I think he scored I don't remember what he scored. He was like thirty five. Yeah, it was he had that but it was one game and he had this just nuts. Uh um, because I, I really wish I could remember these. That's that's the only part that's driving me crazy. It, it, so something happened in two thousand two. So I'll I'll th- I'll assume Juan Juan Dixon. He did it one time. Um, and I'm missing four more guys. Mm-hmm. Two of them did it twice. Two of them did it twice. Two of them did it twice. I'll say Nick Caner Medley. He did it twice. I'll say God, these are bad teams. Cowan. No, first miss. I'll say because I just don't remember some of these guys having done it. That's the problem. Jalen had a big game, but I don't think he had a 30-point game. He had a 29-point game. Mm. Mm. How about um, Mike Jones? No. Mike Jones. Yeah, I know. Don't act like you don't know the name. Uh, I don't know. Layman. I don't remember that happening. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. This is, this is bad. How about... I don't remember him doing it. I don't remember any of these guys doing it. That's the problem. Chris McCray. No. DJ Strawberry. No. Somebody did it twice? Mm-hmm. A name that we that you should know, but it's kind of often forgotten. Because I don't think he had a very long tenure in Maryland. He had a very long tenure in Maryland. Maybe he did, but I don't well, remember I'm, it. The next guy I was going to guess is not that wouldn't fall into that category, but I guess John Gilchrist. No. Oh, oh. For all I know, this guy played there for four years, but I don't really remember oh, good. him. Good. So you might not be helping me in any way. In fact, you might be doing the exact opposite of that. Um. Man. Yeah, I mean, you might have to give me something on some of these guys. I don't know, man. Um, I'm struggling. He has the same initials as T Sizzle. Terrell Stoglin, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, he did it you're twice. Right. I do remember that now. He did. God, those are bad teams. Oh, those were just wretched teams. So you have the one left that I wouldn't expect you to get, and one that I'm surprised you haven't named yet. Keyshawn Howard. No, that was. That, I think that's who I was thinking of. That wasn't here very long. Drew Nicholas. No. Steve Blake. No. God. Um, yuck. 
How about... How about... Des? Des Wells? Des Wells. That's the one that I, I was surprised you hadn't named yet. Man, and then I, you have one more. I don't more. really remember Des Wells doing it. He was, he was okay. Uh, One more. James Gist. I don't think you're ever going to get this. Bombele Osby. No. Uh, boom, I believe they called him. Uh, Bruno Fernando. Mm. Alex Lynn. Mm. Landon Milborn. Eric Hayes. These are. You want me just? You want to just give up? You can't give me anything for it. I, I've Kenny Abekwe. I'd never even heard of him. If I'm being perfectly well, honest, not with the, you. The, I mean that's not. I, I've definitely heard of all of these guys. So. Nick Faust. You know, I'm saying I can't give you any hints because I don't know a hint I to give, give you. Sean Mosley. No. All right, you can tell me it's fine. Seth Allen. Uh, he ended up at Virginia Tech, or he came from Virginia Tech. Seth Allen was involved with Virginia Tech in some sort of way. I a thousand percent have no memory of Seth Allen scoring thirty points. What did, did he go to Virginia? I'm trying to. I just want to know if he came from Virginia Tech or went to Virginia Tech. That's the only part I can't remember. Eh, whatever. There you go. There you go. That's 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 that. Oh, so many, the last twenty years of Maryland basketball. I just sort of want to pretend like it haven't happened. That's the problem with all of this. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, very good. And here's what's coming up, totally tubular-wise. Totally tubular is brought to you by Simply the Bets. I need to tease something. We're going to be making changes to our betting programming probably as early as this week. I just can't confirm exactly what it's going to be, but there's going to be a new sports betting show that we're going to be introducing, and we're likely to be shifting the daytime of Simply the Bets. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, and we're still going to be doing it. It's just there's going to be some changes. I just can't fully explain all of it to you just yet, but I promise it's coming, and it'll continue to be the exact same show that you've expected, just in a different presentation. Those details coming Probably very, very, very soon, if I had to guess. Like, extraordinarily soon. Uh, Just guessing that. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular-wise. A lot of college hoops. By the way, Towson is doing a bit. So, because this is only a half a game that they're playing tonight, and not even fully, they are giving $6 tickets to get in to watch Towson hoops tonight at 6 o'clock to try to get you to go. Again, it's a very strange scenario. They're playing half of a basketball game. They've got to can finish off this game they started against Delaware a few weeks ago, and they're down by nine as it gets underway. You can watch it on Flow Sports tonight at six. Morgan's at home at eight against UMES. Uh, Coppin hosts Delaware State at seven thirty on their respective websites. Big Ten hoops tonight. Northwestern and Iowa at eight on Big Ten Network. NBC Sports Washington, Maple Leafs Caps at 7.30, NHL Network Bruins Kings at 10.30, NBA TV Hornets Bucks at 8, and the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8 as well. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is going to be on Stephen Colbert ahead of next month's, or I'm sorry, April's uh, premiere of uh, mm-hmm. Better Call Saul. Uh, Kate McKinnon's going to be on the has Tonight Show. done a lot of interviews, Bob Odenkirk, since he had that, uh, well, he nearly died, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, nearly died. I, I haven't seen him I don't think I've seen him do much do anything. All right. Um, it was on set too. Uh, Kate McKinnon, who's playing Carol Baskin in the new Tiger King movie, I think it is. It's a it's a sh- series. series. It's a series. It's going to be on Peacock, and I want to say yeah. it starts on Thursday. Yes, if I remember correctly. It does start this week. She is on Jimmy Fallon tonight. Um, you have Secrets of Playboy, Glenn's favorite show, at nine o'clock on A and E. Uh, then you have American Dad at ten o'clock on TBS. 
What is Joe versus Carol, baby? That's the name of the show, Joe versus Carol. And the first episode is going. I don't. I'm not seeing when. Uh, Mar- yeah, Thursday, March third. Yeah, so Thursday is when you. I I don't know. I don't know if it'll get my. Kate McKinnon's so funny. I, I love Kate McKinnon. I'm just so done with Tiger King. Yeah. Like I'm so. I remember being excited when they announced this, and then I, honest to God, think them trying to do another season of Tiger King has like soured me on this. Right. If they just hadn't done that, I'm just so over it. I'm so. N- if if I start hearing from people, it's really good. I'll watch it, but I'm not. I'm not, not anticipating yet. it the same way. But it starts on Thursday. All right, very good. Thanks today to Lonnie Baxter. Thanks to Dan Bonner. Thanks as well to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the greatest hit section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, of course, it's Patrick Stevens tomorrow. Stuff and things on tomorrow's program. We'll let you know. And, again, probably some changes related to our betting program. Just going to let you know about it when we can. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the CIAA Tournament, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Towson, go Morgan, go Coppin. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. <laughs>